they do that with the lemurs? I want to do it with a sloth. Sloth. Oh, cool. yeah. How great would that be? Like, mm. all just slow moving and slow stretching with an animal that only moves slow. Sloth yoga. And stretches. Mm. Sloth yoga. All right, that's the next. Maybe. <laughs> Libations for everyone and sloths for some. You can, you can, actually, you can actually put my uh, sister on. She's a zookeeper. And, what? Uh, yeah, so she's a zookeeper of elephants. But uh, when she no worked way. in Madison, My she had, they had, dude, they had a, a, a code red, right? Mm. In, in fact, I, I, I've got this amazing picture of my brother when we went and visit her. And like, this is when she worked with like the cheetahs and stuff. And there's like, I'm like, Nick, go stand by the wall. And I took his picture, but really I just want to get his like picture by the side. And it said like, it's like prevention, the best way to prevent animal attacks. <laughs> like, but, uh, but anyway, she worked for the, she worked for the, Minis- for the Madison Zoo. And it's right in a park. It's kind of like Como yeah. Park Zoo. Yeah, very much and, like Como. Yeah, and, and she, uh, so they had a code red. The sloth was just missing. <laughs> and it was missing for oh, like man. a week. So and it like, was that sloth on that boat ride, wasn't it? Oh, dude. And, and, then, and then like literally like a week later, somebody found the sloth and it was just like eating leaves in a tree like right out in the park, out, right outside of the zoo. Yeah, he's like eight feet away. <laughs> yeah, where's he going to go? He made I mean, it like They're like yards. out in the city looking for him and he's like in a tree eight yeah. feet away. Yeah, like, yeah. Like in, in eye shot of the gates. Yeah. We, 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 we drew the map way too big. We needed to do a one right. block square. If it was a week, he could move, but nope. <laughs> they're searching the lakes and shit. Where is he? He's in a tree right there. I would have loved to have watched some of like the brandy drunk posses of Wisconsinites looking for a sloth. All I can picture is the old um, the, <laughs> the the viral video clip of the leprechaun in Alabama, <laughs> where mm-hmm. everybody swears that they saw a leprechaun in the tree. Yep. That's what I picture, but in Madison and a whole lot of. Oh, yeah, I saw the sloth over there. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure he was moving real quick, you know. I want to know where the gold at. I, I want to know where the, give me the gold. Give me the gold. <laughs> the I remix a, is actually like a banger. I love that. I got me I a leprechaun whistle and it's just a recorder. Yeah, what an incredible fucking news story that was. Oh, man. I feel like that's one of the things like social media lacks is like the ability yeah. to be like, I mean, I know that, like, theoretically, like, stories and shit, but, like, who watches? Like, I, I don't know. I don't, maybe. Mm-hmm. But, like, but I feel like it lacks that ability to be, like, this is happening right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and, like, to really, like, corral people. Like, I feel it's well, more Well, like, the about, Periscope element. There is live yeah. Instagram, but not a lot of people utilize it. Yeah. Right. That's what I mean. Like, yeah, no, live nobody, video. Live videos mostly failed, except for, like, someone stealing a car or something. Well, and so many of those, <laughs> it's, like, the same person broadcasting live seven times a day. Yeah, yeah, and you're like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I actually unfollowed a local famous photographer. I won't say which one. Because he was going live like 13 times a day on Instagram. And yep. he was just fucking sitting in his room. I don't even know what he's doing. But it looked so boring every time I tuned in. And he was in the <laughs> same spot, wearing the same clothes. I was like, leave me alone. I did the same thing. I unfollowed <laughs> one of my favorite sound engineers on earth. Mm-hmm. A guy who has made some of my favorite records sound like my favorite records. Okay. But it's the same thing. He'll go live like five or six times a day. And it's just a cam of him like slowly turning knobs to like tweak things but you can't hear what he's listening to yeah it's not and exactly a master class yeah like who wants to watch this like Literally. if i can't hear the music like nothing i don't give a shit like that's the same as djs that mm-hmm. do the right. the chicken arms but they're not actually tuning or turning anything at least make it a cat walking on the board yes i you want know. that i'll watch that all day <laughs> exactly the cat walking around producing music like oh that's your secret meow 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 well shit party time it is party time i'm thirsty 
Yeah, what do we have in our glass? Uh, this is tequila. Is this the dragonfly? <laughs> we got straight. This looks like no, a lot a, more than a shot. Uh, Libula, uh, was this mine? Yeah, the dragonfly. Uh, was this yeah. mine? Yeah, the dragon. That's that's like how I describe it too. Like the dragonfly. Yeah, that's that Charles? is your glass. Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, right. Yeah, it's tequila. I'm gonna leave it at that. I don't, we sometimes like really get into it, but I yeah, it's a Azul Joven. It's good stuff. It's affordable, and we're gonna drink it. I could be wrong, but I think that's actually the the Mexican word for dragonfly. That's what I was told. Libu, libelula? Yep. Libelula? Marnie! 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 <laughs> I don't know, but uh, that, I mean, there's a fucking giant dragonfly on all their bottles. Yep. So you would, you would like to think that. I'm going to go with that. Not going to look it, it up. Means. Not today, Google. I don't think it's Spanish for Lululemon. So. Ooh. Uh, Lululemon? Yeah. This is the tequila that bites back. And I know that because when I closed the stopper, it caught my thumb in it. I haven't done that in a long time. Get a little blood blister in there? Yeah, I got a little, little, you know, I'm okay. I'm going <laughs> to make it through the broadcast, and I'm going to start crying immediately <laughs> after you hit stop. <laughs> I, uh, I, I had a friend of mine. We were at a wedding this weekend, and uh, 80% of the people at the wedding were former coworkers or industry cohorts from the service industry. And so it was very much like a class reunion, slash also we're very happy for Josh and Caroline. And one of my friends, like, we were all just, like, high-fiving. And, Where was it at? Uh, it was at the Machine Shop. Oh, yeah, cool. Uh, very beautiful venue. I've been there for Downtown a lot of charity stuff. Southeast Minneapolis. Yeah. Uh, but I had never been there for an actual wedding, and they did an incredible job. It was stunning. Um, but a friend of mine was like, what's wrong with your finger? And I'm like, well, mm. I don't know. And they're like, do you have a blister? And she's, like, rubbing my finger. And then I realized, I'm like, no, that's just my permanent knife callus from holding because i always i grip way up on the knife uh, so the the edge of the blade is holding the blade with your fingers on yep. my pointer mm-hmm. finger and i just it, i don't feel anything anymore it, it doesn't exist but mm. she's like it feels emotionally but your fingers are fine yes yeah it feels she's like it feels like a blood blister <laughs> but it's it's not it's hard and i'm like well yeah i cook all the time yeah not for work but just at home so it, I, I, I don't think about that at all. But now that she like pointed it out, I've just been rubbing it all day like a weird good luck stone. Yeah, nice. <laughs> you're like, oh, what have I done? Yeah, well, I really got to stop cooking. Nope. No. Dude, I feel like I finally, like finally, in my old age, like after all the cooking I've done, like finally got my fingers to where like they don't feel heat much anymore. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> like it's like, yeah. like oh really? Like my kids are touching things. They're like getting. Burned, you finally got like, Lebanese mom hand. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I made it. I want to grab a pan right out of the oven, yeah. set it on. T- I'm like, what the fuck? Like, how is this possible? Bonus question before question and before introduction. Uh, do you guys, when somebody sets a plate down and they're like, be careful, this plate is hot. Like at a restaurant? You have to touch it. You have to touch it, you right? You have to touch it. Are you? Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not afraid of it, no. No, yeah, but like, tell me I, what to do. I'm like compulsive. Like I have to touch right. it. I have Unless to. it's a vagitis platter, then you can hear that you shouldn't touch it. I'm still It's touch telling it. you, don't touch me. I'm still going to touch it. Uh, you, you touch the, the cast iron. Yeah, I don't, like, I don't like jam my hand on it. I'm you not going, like, a, oh, I'm not like, going oh. like Raiders of the Lost Ark on the <laughs> yeah. doorknob. But yeah, okay. I 100% like, I'll, I'll do the... Right, and, then if it's not, and then if it's not that hot, then I'll do a longer one just to see. Man, you're crazy. I just lick it. <laughs> Before yeah, I think you it's good, right? It sends that like heat through your whole body. Yeah, and it's like yeah. I'm I also just, curious. Like, I want to know, like, what is? 
Because like all all the years of the service industry, I mean, there's so many times that I had like red marks for days because I do the cascade of three or four plates up my arm coming out. And there was always one that was like up way too early that just sat under the heat lamp. I mean, you could have said circus industry and what you just said would still be true. Also very true. Mm. Only my plates would have been spinning. Yeah, so you'd be less burning. Plates. But yeah, I, I do. I, I have to. Like, it's a compulsion, much like if there was like a do not press this button and then no reason why mm. not to press the button. All I would think about is wanting to press the button. Yeah. Or like if you're on an elevator and there are the extra buttons that don't have anything on there, it's just like the white. The first thing I do, hit them both. Just see what happens. <laughs> I have to. What, what floor is it going? 13? Who, I hope so. Mm. <laughs> They're lying to you. This 12 to 14 is bullshit. <laughs> Well, I feel like uh, since we've heard a third voice for uh, 10 minutes now, we should oh, probably... Oh, we've been recording? Well, yeah, that's oh, yeah, the best okay. part. Oh, We're yeah. sneaky, sneaky We're trying like to that. catch you. <laughs> gotcha. Beach of the bear. Everything bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> would you be kind high. enough to introduce the audience to your dulcet tones and uh, let them know kind of what you're up to and what your business is? Yeah, so I'm Matt Doug Willow, and I run a website and program called Craft Notes with some other uh, service industry people. And, um, yeah, our focus is, I mean, I, mean, I guess... Pre-pandemic, we had kind of started as the under the idea of like creating a community. I guess we really believe that like social is kind of the new social media. At least that was kind of our pitch: is that people were getting burned out on their phones. At least I hope they were. And uh, <laughs> you know, so and then we also worked with a lot of like breweries and restaurants and and prior job. Like I, you know, I kind of worked with a bunch of these guys. And so like, I guess Craft Notes really evolved because we looked at a way like how do we a guarantee we can get people to the door, b guarantee they're good people, and c for me like work with only the clients that I want to instead of the ones that pay us. So like what we do is we try to, you know, find like really good authentic businesses that are like cool to their staff and cool places making cool things. And then we try to make a partnership with them. Uh, right now we work with a lot of breweries and distilleries, but we're, you know, kind of open to anybody who's like a cool, authentic local business that's really participating in local culture. So actually I'll give you the preview for this year. Yeah. Uh, so nobody knows this yet, except for like one other guy. But, uh, but I knew it. So, so what we've been doing lately is we've been making partnerships to kind of come out with different volumes. So the, the idea is we tell these different stories in craft notes, and then we have all of those businesses on our mobile app. And so uh, this year, our story is going to be a little bit more about trivia, and we're working with Trivia Mafia oh, nice. to kind of do it. Mm. So it's like more like their customers, because like obviously they're, you know, the premier trivia company, and I think they kind of made trivia like culturally significant in Minnesota. So uh, you know why not? So we're, so we're working with them to kind of tell that story, and that'll be like our next edition. So it'll be That's cool. amazing. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about this at the end, but just right off the bat, uh, if people are curious, where would you send them to learn more about what you're doing? Yeah, our website is just craftnotes.net. Um, you know, we've got our book, our app, and then our stories. What and asshole those- has .com? Who do we have to take uh, out? It's actually, <laughs> well, when we started, they, it's just like one of those domain brokers it's just bark it's, yeah. it's not it's nothing they they offered to sell it to us for like 3500 bucks oh, I was didn't have the money. oh yeah no totally yeah. and yeah. i had another one that like actually had higher like value according to like GoDaddy's like algorithm thing or whatever and i'm like i'll trade you plus give you 500 dollars. and they're like no and i'm like but this one's worth fifteen thousand dollars <laughs> and i'm like you know obviously i've never sold it if someone offered me 10 i'd take it but yep. you know um 
Yeah, so like they they they're just squatters, man. Yeah. And then and then what's worse? So our Instagram is craft underscore notes. Everything else we're craft notes, but our Instagram is craft underscore notes because this lady from St. Paul, like owns it, and I've contacted her multiple times. She's never posted a thing, like mm. just holding it. So yeah, I mean, we do hold a trademark, and I guess there's like some ways to go around getting that. So like our name is, is trademarked, especially if it's parked. Yeah, but it's uh, but but you know, Instagram doesn't care about you, you know. So it's like, how am I gonna ever make an impact? I'm not, yeah. not Target giving them millions of dollars. So maybe after you, know. you have a blue check, then you can wage that war. Yeah, but yeah. it's not worth it now because people already know where yeah. to find you. It's- yeah, so it would be cool to have the actual name, and it would be cool to have the .dot com. But yeah. everyone that I know that has that, they're. It's never like a really upstanding, very active business. No. It's always some bullshit like that. Oh, yeah. I used to think that about the guy that has all the Ben Quam things tagged, but then we met and became friends. And now it's really frustrating because he's like a great person <laughs> and he works a lot for charity and he does a lot of fundraising. Ben yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. At least his name's Ben Quam. Yep. But it's weird that the other one also just happens to live in the Twin Cities. <laughs> like could be anywhere could be anything the the only the, there's a third one that i've found and he lives in uh, i believe ghana so okay we don't cross paths that often mm. but so yeah, now so. what you got to do is you got to make sure to like i don't know get like a 13 year old like friend so that the next time the social next big social media thing comes out you know before he does yep and then you're on it Oh, See? sorry. I got Ben Quam on <laughs> Flutter or whatever. <laughs> flick, flock, flutter. Yeah, it's flip coming. <laughs> well, uh, Charles, what do you think? Should we, uh, should we jump into some questions? Yeah, let's do an Topics? alcohol. And let's, uh, let's, let's do an in. alcohol. Let's get into it. All right. Cheers. Let's Cheers, make guys. booze. What are, we, what are we choosing to? To you being here. <clears throat> All right. I like it. Very excited. All right. Mm. Oh yeah, that's a nice one. It Super. is, yeah. It's yeah. very smooth. It's actually it's really light. Yeah, really this is light, one of grassy. my go-tos at Grumpy's in Northeast. A oh yeah, very fantastic. Oh, beer and dive bar. Yeah, I was there on Friday. I was there on Friday. I didn't see you. Oh, you were there on Friday. Yeah, I was on the patio. Late. One of you is lying. I was there from nine until oh, like midnight. Yeah, no, I was there like four to five thirty. Mm. Well, I only missed you by like four hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Shit's week. Charles was there actually for when we launched our mobile app pre-pandemic, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, we it was it was awesome. Mark Stutterud, the founder of Summit, came down and grilled lamb with us, and we kind of had like. You know, I pitched a in a little, of, just voluntarily. I just got yeah, back there. And yeah, we all kind of chipped in. Yeah, it was, was fun, fun, man. Those are always fun. Yeah, if you're a local to the Twin Cities and you don't go to Grumpy's on Fridays, uh, you're missing go, out because I don't want it to be more crowded. Yeah, you're missing out. It's it's fun, man. I I I I think that what they do there, they've just created like a really and that's what yeah. kind of like that was kind of the inspiration of Craft Notes, right? Like I saw like Pat like worked with cool people that he liked working with. That's right. And they did cool stuff, you know. Yeah, and great sense of community. They and everyone built a like, community. Exactly. Everyone knows everybody, and you say hi and. And bringing people free food, there's nothing better than that. I know. Like people, especially on a Friday afternoon, you're worn down from a whole week of work. Mm-hmm. You're, or if you're in the service industry, you're ramping up for the weekend. And you just want to go and like have a little peace of mind. And then somebody shows up. Like I've done three uh, cooking parties there this summer. And nice. the look on people's faces when you show up and you're like, I made this for you. And they're like, oh, I, I, I don't want to buy anything. I'm like, no, no, no. For, for yeah, especially when they don't know. It's just right. free food. For like, yeah. Yeah. 
It's, yeah. it's we didn't order anything. Yep. Oh, I know. I know. I'm just giving you <laughs> yeah. free stuff. I'm the hot dog fairy. And then watching them just like light up. Also, one of my former stripping names in college. Thank oh, you yeah. very much. <laughs> I remember. Coming next to the stage, hot dog fairy. <laughs> All beef, baby. Yeah. Was it? Uh, was oh, it? Jorge? There's, his, there's his sport pepper. Was it Jorge Guzman? Who was the first chef there of Surly, Charles? Uh, that was the upstairs brewer's the, table. Yep. Brewer's yeah, table, yeah, yeah. So he like back when he originally worked with Surly and they first like started doing that. He came down and like had grilled at Grumpy's and he did like yep. his whole like ribs and then like he had sides. It was it was the best Grumpy's grill out. Understandable from like, a food that dude standpoint. So outside of the lamb talented. grilling, of course. There have been some really <laughs> really good ones, some legendary ones. People go all out. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's like a great reflection of one's individual character too. Because, you know, like Dan Herman from Falling Knife, like a month, like three weeks, a month ago, did like wings that he smoked at home. Those were so And good. then like Ben Knutson mm-hmm. from Falling Knife made a hot sauce and then someone else from there made a different sauce. So it's like very personal. Like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I love making wings for my friends. Now I'm going to make it for all my like extended friends. Yeah, for the, the brats that we did, uh, I, made, uh, I made mustard from scratch and then my yeah. buddy made the sauerkraut. Hell yeah. Nice. So fun. Have you yeah. guys ever seen, I don't know if it still exists, but is, have you seen this company? This is this is eight years old. Mm. Ten years old, maybe. Whoa. Right? But like ancient history. And I don't know what happened because I mean this was probably pre like real social media stuff, like mm. maybe MySpace or whatever. But like, you know, I didn't really I'm not I'm not a very good social media person, but like um there was a the, the friend of a friend, you know, we were all grilling and and you know, it was like one of those nights, ah, what should I do about my life, man? I like I don't know what to do. And we're at a fire pit, and, and you know, you know, you give the cliche answer like, you got to just do what you love, man. And uh, you know, and he's like, I like making sausages, and I like eating sausages. And we thought he was joking, right? And uh, <laughs> and I guess, like to be fair, I don't actually know if it was him, but his name was Isaac. And a year later, I'm at Kowalski's. And they literally had like Isaac loves brats in the in the in the freezer. Whoa. That's awesome. I'm like, for the purposes of this story, that was him. I know. Yeah. You you got it. Yeah. And I was just like quote unquote one. muse by there telling him to do what he loved. He you was know? on masculine, staring into the fire. <laughs> yep. And like went on his sausage journey. You're like a dream spirit to him. Yeah. <laughs> he still thinks about yeah, it. If it's successful, I don't know. I haven't really dream. seen much about it. But <laughs> it's at Kowalski. So I should look it up. I don't bucks. know what's wrong with me. Yeah, a couple of three bucks. I was three hours into a K-hole, and all of a sudden this being of pure light came to me and told me what to do. Uh, no, bro, you were just sitting around a fire, and that was my friend Matt. Yeah. <laughs> I devote myself to sausage. Like, oh, my God. I'm in deep. That was just a guy? <laughs> All right, let's get into this. Uh, Matt, we what is the single about. best thing you've had to drink this summer? And you can only pick one because we get carried away on the show, and so sometimes yep. I like to specify. We're selecting a singular beverage. What is the best thing you've had to drink? Oh, man, is it something summer? that I'm making myself or something that Doesn't I, matter. like, had somewhere else? Doesn't matter. Could have been a puddle of water. A puddle of water. Oh, geez. Well, well give, me, give me a second to think. What was your favorite? Uh, I, do you want me to just jump I can, in? Quam? I can jump in, too. Whatever. Quam, go for it. All right. Uh Simply because it was from a, a, a beautiful place of caring and uh, because it was also my birthday. Uh, we've talked about it on the show before. My wife and I love, uh, especially in the summer, a Stoli Blue soda water with a lime. Or a lime. 
and uh, a couple of our wonderful friends who are bartenders in Northeast lovingly started calling it uh, Show Me Your Bloobs. And uh, hearing these female bartenders, like, I would say Stoli Blueberry Soda Lime, and they just yell, Bloobs! Or Show Me Your Bloobs! And it became a thing, and now, like, multiple people have now started ordering this. And so for my birthday, a good friend and friend of the podcast, John Buck, uh, went and got some wild blueberries and macerated a vodka, made lemonade, and we did uh, blueberry vodka, lemonade, and soda water on a beautiful, like, hot summer night right before we went and had uh, Tennessee hot chicken and all of the meats at Revival. And it was such a perfect, like, pregame drink because between the tartness of the blueberries and the tartness of the lemon and then all of the sugar, like, your mouth just couldn't stop watering. And they're about nine blocks north of where Revival is. So mm-hmm. it was a hop, skip, and a jump, and we were there. Yeah. And then afterwards, we went back and had one more. And it's not complicated. This was not a hard drink to make. Hit the but, spot. but the fact that he thought enough ahead of... My birthday mm-hmm. was on a Monday, man. We all had to work. And the fact that he thought ahead enough to make that, and it was this beautiful, like, magenta violet color. Nice. And... Again, with the fresh lemonade, like, everything just pops. It was, it was so great, and it was just, a, like, a, a perfect drink in that moment. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that has just made me the happiest. Time and place, I, right? I, and I think, I personally think, those are the drinks that, like, are better anyway, because if you can go and make it at home, you know, like, I, like, there's places that you go to, like, Tattersall, where they, like, make these, like, crazy drinks that you would never make at home or be right. able to. But then there's other places that just do, like, simple like straightforward cocktails and like I, I kind of like those better, you know, like where it's just like you get you can make it at home, you know, yep. you can do it, you can copy it at home. And I, I, I don't know, like I, I was telling Charles before we started that, like you know, the drink that I've kind of been drinking is Fernet and Coke. Mm. But uh, Marcus from Misfits made me one time, one one time, and it was like in the Coke bottle with vanilla ice cream, and it was like next level good. Well, and with, probably some cheer. I think he had some cherry bitters from Bitter Cube with Fernet too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Fernet, Fernet, Coke. On. Like it was like Coke and you know Coke and vanilla ice cream and Fernet, and then some cherry bitters. I believe nice. the That's cherry like, bark bitters from Bitter Cube. Lovely, and it was amazing. Yeah, I want that in my face right now. Yeah, it's like so. So I've been drinking a lot of that. I actually like. That's why I like. I was trying to stall because I was trying to think of like what I have had and like the truth is is like we've we've been doing a lot of like our own like fresh pressed juices kind of things and but I haven't been drinking a ton um this summer's been a little bit uh it could also be a non it's been one of stress <laughs> like sure we've been we've been working a lot so um yeah but uh yeah and that's it our app that is sounds out. <laughs> I want that you can drink juice you can say juice yeah was it a juice yeah, juice. I was making my own kombucha during the pandemic. I, everyone okay. went sourdough bread, and I went kombucha. So that was fun. How do you feel it turned out? Oh, dude, I got good. Awesome. Like, it was really good. Like, I was using, uh, my, my secret was, is I was doing the second ferment, and I was just putting just, like, regular, just plain. I don't like things too, that are too sweet, so I was just doing ginger yeah. and a little bit of, uh, you know, like, something else, like either crushed blueberries or crushed raspberries or something mm. just to give it a little sugar. But it was uh, in the second ferment, but it was awesome. And, like, it would just taste, like, if you let two weeks in the fridge with, like, the ginger just, like, permeating, even, even like, I mean, we ended up doing kind of a lot more of ginger, but it, it almost had that, like, you know, like, really strong ginger beer kind of flavor, and love it that. was awesome. You know, that. super spicy. Yeah. And then I started adding a little bit of cayenne, 
a little bit of like you know lemon zest you know so we started to get a little bit like play around with that and yeah it it, it was amazing the yeah. full system flush right there yeah all right yeah yeah so we kind of perfected things that's actually and then the other drink actually was just the other night um charles might know what it's called but it was uh luxadora like, like what's well, maraschino, Lux- liqueur. maraschino liqueur. Lu- luxardo luxardo yeah. luxardo um green chartreuse and gin and lime yeah it was a good drink dude i think he called it like next act or something like that second second act mm. you know what i'm talking about i don't know the specific cocktail i, th- I feel like it was inspired by a, one of the local minnesota distilleries because he frequents many of them but sure he didn't That's- say he's just been like trying to perfect cocktails that's right up my alley man that yeah. sounds perfect for sure i will tell you on my list of places while i'm in town here one of my, on my list of places they have a i believe they call it the gold martini or the gold margarita i'm sorry at uh at nico taco that is uh absolutely amazing they do like fresh juice and high-end liquor and uh that's why it's called gold like house made like, like tr- house made house made syrup mm. yeah it's real good cool. just simple and straightforward and good well speaking of margaritas my selection is a margarita yeah. margarita el pastor uh that i had in um <clears throat> in mexico city at uh licoraria la Montour. when were you in mexico city it's distant <laughs> history it's long past um yeah, no, we've already been over the fact that I'm going to be talking about this shit a lot. But God, that fucking pause was it, perfect. Honestly, it was the reason that I, I formulated this question is because I wanted to talk a little bit about the, the yeah. cocktail scene there. In Mexico City? Yeah, the Mexico City cocktail scene is the coolest cocktail scene I've ever seen. It's, Can I phone a friend? My brother was just there this summer. Really? Oh, dude, he's nice. a big cocktail guy. Yeah, well, he probably went to a lot of the same places <laughs> I went to. Uh, Licoraria Limiter is like the number six cocktail bar in the world. They do uh, Margarita El Pastor, and you ask yourself, what in the fuck is that? It's like an odd green color, um, and it's because of the ingredients that are contained within it because they use, they don't give away all their secrets because it's rimmed with something called, in quotation marks, taco seasoning, and they're not talking Ortega, but it has pineapple, uh, some cilantro, (laughs) some green chilies in the margarita itself, and it's just fucking perfect. I want it. It's it's perfect. It's really smoky, even though... By my understanding, it does not contain mezcal, but all the other elements in it imbue it with a, a sense sure. of smokiness. If you put a mezcal in it, it'd probably be too smoky. It doesn't necessarily taste like El Pastor. It's almost like they're saying they're El Pastorifying as opposed to pork. They're El Pastorifying a margarita, but it has that little bit of, um, in the addition to- and the smoke. Yeah, in addition yeah. to the, the sweetness and um, the, the citrus that you're going to find in your standard protocol margarita, there was some savory to be found there as well. So it rode the line as opposed to being like just a little savory. It's sort of like riding the line in between something that is a savory beverage or, or a sweet beverage. And for me, it absolutely hit the spot. If we had the whole evening to spend there and a menu that wasn't, like loaded top to bottom with probably 30 incredible cocktails. I could have just housed those. I could have spent an evening only drinking those, but instead I drank it really quickly and then moved on to the next thing. I think we had like four drinks there before dinner, <laughs> but that place is it is sometimes when you read things like that, because you, I always use, you know, the top 50 bars in the world list. I'll use that as a barometer. If they say this is a number five or six bar in the world. Well, yeah, I'm fucking going there. Yeah. I might disagree with you, and in many cases, I do. Like, we'll talk you about You still got to check it out if you're in town. It's a good barometer, right? Like, if you're like, who do I trust? 
guy on Facebook that told me the 11 places in Mexico City he went to, <laughs> not the 11 places he likes, or this painstakingly curated list that all of these bars attend the award show for. Right. And in this case, basically TLDL, it was, it, it lived up to the hype. You know, and I will say this is, mm. so I've been in the industry for a super long time, kind of trying to like bring these lists. And I kind of always joke that I saw fake news before anyone else, because when I ran Thrifty Hipster, like I remember, like, and I knew all the guys from Thrillist, you know, like those guys, yeah, you know, sure. and Jeremy, like he went off and did other things and like were super successful. But like my big, I guess my big like misunderstanding was I'm like, I saw maybe it's, maybe it's cause I knew Right. But I saw like the list that they're putting together. And I, you know, obviously I can't comment on their list for New York. Right. right. But I can comment on their list for the Twin Cities and I could comment on their list for the, some of the other spots that I knew. And I'm like, eh, you know, I, I disagree, you know. And, and, and I guess I thought that people would obviously like also like realize that it was just a bunch of guys from New York, like writing this like list. And, and often you, you know, could tell if they didn't. Go, yeah. And you, you know, oh, dude, but someone gets called out like once a year, there's like a big one, like these people did not come to Minneapolis because the list is just so arbitrary or oh, it's a yeah. place that's been closed for 10 years. Like I had a great sandwich at X and X deli. And you're like, motherfucker, they closed in 06. Right. Know? And they're looking it up on Yelp <laughs> and they're like, Oh, 4.9 stars. Right. So they just took everything under four. But like, yeah. And, and so like, and, and I guess like, that's really like, I mean, and I, I'm sorry to bring it back to craft notes, but like, to me, that's like what we were trying to accomplish. Like I really wanted to make people, get a very concentrated list of like, these are authentic, good businesses mm. and they're, they're, they're good and they're worth your time and they're worth your money, you know? And like, sure. that was kind of the goal. Yeah. And like, so obviously the number one struggle is, is how do we, you know, how do we find part? And that's why we kind of do the partnerships. Cause it's like, how do we, how do we guarantee that we're good to our word? You know, and I don't want, I mean, I would love if people would trust us as craft notes, but more so I want them to be able to say no, Craft Notes is just the guys who know the people who know, you know? And so, like, when we work on other yeah, programs, like, we're going to partner with those people who really know so that we can actually have a true best of list. And, you know, and that's, you know, that's kind of why we're Craft Notes and not, like, craft beer. I mean, we obviously have a lot of focus on craft beer, but that's not the only thing that we yeah. do. And we don't do that because, like, there's a lot more to this world than, like, good beer, you know? There's... there's Right. awesome food and there's you know there's the whole marijuana scene or the trivia scene or like mm -hmm. you know i think uh what, what else are big things that people are into that are like along that genre cigars like charles is really into cigars i'm not yeah. but um you know but it's like i would ask you if i wanted a good cigar mm -hmm. i wouldn't like you know and and i and i try to find some other guys who knew even more than you you know if that's i was why it, right I, like, I guess that's sort of why i try to at least you know reach for the highest wrong that i can find because again they're not always going to be correct mm -hmm. uh, i'll talk about this more in a later episode but we went to quintanil and we went to pujol two restaurants that are ranked fifth and ninth in the world wow. and a friend of mine who was messaging like um after i was at quintanil was like how was it a friend of mine told me skip pujol and go to quintanil because he and his wife were going to mexico city in january and i was like what? Why? No way. No way. Because Quintanil was good, but because they set that standard so high, I think it, it hurt my perception. Whereas Pujol, I was like, this very well could be the fifth best restaurant in the world. So it doesn't always mean oh, yeah. that it's it's the fact, or like even that you're there on the right evening, or yeah. the menu flip that you experienced maybe wasn't as impressive as the prior one. Oh, yeah. Well, just, but, but think about that's being... That's always true, though. Think about being at, like in, oh, the, yeah. in the creative field, in any form, like... 
you might not think that whoever won the Academy Award was the best actor or the mm. best director, but if you're interested in making films or acting in films, wouldn't you want to watch all the films that were nominated for awards? Oh, yeah. Just to try and see like what yeah, you could pull from right. that. And like I think about that with, uh, you know, even looking at, you know, I spent 17 years DJing. I never once was like, I'm going to be the best DJ in the Didn't world. I just like get tired. Yeah. I just once <laughs> from being <laughs> Sorry, humble. Sorry, Steve Aoki, or who's uh, the best DJ in the world. Yeah. Paul uh, Oakenfold? No. Not anymore. He's I met, I met him at uh, spring break when I was like 20. Dude. He's still a super nice dude. I had I was, him at my club. He's incredible. I met him and I was at spring break and I'm like, he was like talking to two chicks and I'm like, Hey, you're Paul Ogilvy. He's like, Hey yeah, bugger off buddy. <laughs> oh, what a nice guy. But like, I, I loved going to see when I would be in a different city, like mm. a, a bigger market, like a Miami or a Vegas or LA or New York. Yeah. I loved going to see whoever like the biggest DJ was at the time, just to see like, what are you doing different? Because I know that there's a whole hype train behind you. Right. But I also want to know. at them? Menacingly arms folded until they challenge you to a DJ battle. No, but I 100% do stand there weirdly just trying to figure out what's going on. I don't dance. Like, uh, if I'm going uh, to check somebody, I do yeah. it too at bands too. Like, if there's a guitarist that I'm really interested in, I, I literally will just stare trying to figure out, like, what they're up to. <laughs> and I've, I've had more than one friend be like, I saw you across the bar or across the club. Like, you look frightening. Why are, and you, I'm like, why are you trying to fight this Exactly. And I'm like, no, I'm just trying to figure out what they're doing. Yeah. And sometimes they do live up to the hype. Uh, DJ okay. AM, great example, rest okay. in peace. That dude blew my fucking mind every time he played music because he was just on a different level of connecting things. Other DJs that would be in the genre that we were just sort of joking about, mm. I'm like, this is all hype and no substance. There's Good. nothing here. Like, I've gone to see guys do an hour and a half set where the controller wasn't even on. Like, it's all pre-recorded, and they're just yeah. there to wave oh, yeah. their hands around and do that. Right. And there's nothing sadder than that. The or there's DJ the guys special, that play right? the yeah. exact same set. Yeah, same thing. Every single yeah. time. And they're, well, it's like a comedian show, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's the good ones. I mean, that's, that is what they do, right? They've got this set. But, yeah, it does look, lack authenticity. You know? So I think with those lists, mm -hmm. while it's not, like, the end-all, be-all, right. uh, maybe kind of going back to more what you were saying, Matt, is, like, it's a nice suggestion into like, these are great places. And then you'll probably find one that fits you better. Yep. And maybe the other one will show you some things that you weren't ready for, but like it, it's all sometimes just having those lists helps you try and figure out in the scattershot that is our world. Here's some places that I could focus. And here are some voices that I might listen to on a regular basis that are saying, yeah, I would right, put yeah. my votes behind that. Right. It's sure. not 100% this will be the best thing you've ever had, but it's a, it's a high bad suggestion. Yeah, exactly. That's because why, that's the other right. thing is people will ask me, like, well, why do you trust Michelin? And why do you trust Top 50? And why, do you, why did you trust Bourdain? And things like that. And I'm like, well, because I discovered through a great deal of trial and error that the batting average from sources such as those was significantly higher Correct. than the alternative. Yeah. Like I discovered at a point, and I'm sorry if you're a friend of mine and you're listening to this, that asking friends, you can't rely on just any friend. You need to have someone <laughs> who has a similar sensibility to you. So I'm going to ask people that I know have a similar taste to me and similar expectation. What do you think I would like? Because I feel like they understand what that means. Yeah. But the joke that I was making regarding when you ask on social, when you say, where should I go in Denver? People don't tell you where 
they recommend, they tell you where they went. Yep. It's just, I'm sorry, it's human nature. It doesn't mean they're bad, but people will be like, here's the 11 places I went. Half of them were terrible, but if I suffered, you have to suffer too. I'm like, my, why? See, my barometer, <laughs> I kind of look at things the other way. Like, I always try to look at things like, dude, let's say your best friend from high school is like, you know, he's been living across the country and he's in town to visit. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to take him to the place that's going to make him want to move here. Yep. You know, yeah, that's the place. For sure, for yeah. sure. You know, like, the, the, like, what's that place that's like, oh, dude, if I take but him that's here, your he's own staying, city, you know? Matt, that's the difference. Because yes. if you're asking, if your group of True. friends is mostly Minnesota, and you say, when I go to Seattle, where should I go? And they went to Seattle for a business trip for three days, and they got to leave the hotel once, and they went to the cocktail bar that was down the street because it was close, they're going to recommend it. They're going to say, I went Dude. to this dope cocktail bar right down the street. Oh, Where it's else this did coffee you go? shop, bro. It. It's so <laughs> incredible. <laughs> it was it. like, it was, it was star something. It was yeah. so good. Oh my God. It's I like, went to the Starbucks that serves alcohol, bro. <laughs> exactly. You gotta go. Like, great, great example on this. And, and this is my last point on this, but yeah. uh, I'm a part of, uh, like, there's like a, a, a little foodie side group on Facebook. And, uh, Just a, one? Well, no. You're in the only one, I'm the in one lots that he's of them, part of. I know, but the one that I'm referencing. I'm being a smart ass. Uh, what else is there? The one that'll let him in. <laughs> <laughs> I finally made it in. Yes. Uh, but a guy just moved to the Twin Cities, uh-huh. and uh, he is a brother of somebody that I've worked with before. And he was like, hey, I'm moving here from South Carolina. I'm craving mm-hmm. some good fried chicken. Where's the best fried chicken? And I saw this post like two days late. It wasn't so Bobby, was it? It was not. Okay. But it was like 67 or 68 comments long. And five of those comments were people honestly trying to sell him on Cub Foods, a grocery store chain I believe in the you. Twin Cities, trying to sell him on the, that's the best fried chicken if in the Twin If there's that Cities. many comments, there are thousands of members in the group. And anytime a group like that gets over like 300 people... The water gets muddied because oh, it's just man. like random people, which, you know, random people are fine. A lot of them listen to our show, but like a lot of people be like, tell you what, you wouldn't believe it. But if you get the cub fried chicken when it's fried fresh yep. and you get the JoJo's with it, I mean, you don't have to stand in line. You and know, I'm no saying, one's there. I am <laughs> saying all this as somebody who has <laughs> fucked up an entire like family order yeah, of cub too. fried chicken. It's like, dry as fuck. It tastes good. It's salty. It's you crunchy. Can't compare it to it's there. But to please don't say legitimate. to yeah. somebody from South Carolina coming here that that's oh, yeah. the best offering yeah, that we have. <laughs> go to the grocery store right. and get it from the guy who you have to remind to please put a glove on because he was about to raw dog your fucking. <laughs> chicken thigh. That's that's the one that you tell your friend who's coming from out of town who you actually don't want to move yeah, here. You right. just want to see him once every nine years. Grab me the know? one that the skin didn't fall off of, please. Yeah. You know? It's like, that, that's why I go to those lists. That's why I go to, because it's people that take it really seriously. And it's people that are paid to try a lot average. of stuff. Yep. Right. Yeah. And again, the likelihood's just higher. Never going to be the end all be all. There's of always course. a fucking crash that wins mm-hmm. an Oscar. But at the end of the day, like, if you can get mostly pretty good stuff, like I've never gone to a bar that was recommended or a restaurant that was recommended that highly where I hated it. There have been right. times where it didn't live up to my expectations, but that's also because I set the bar pretty high. There have also been places that I have found that I will remember for the rest of my life that I never would have found yeah. were it not Certainly. for things like that. Certainly. Oh yeah, I mean, if the food's really good, like I can still remember like the top three meals that I've ever had in my yes. life in order, you yep. know, like... And it's, yeah, you can, like, if you concentrate hard enough, you can almost, like, memorize, remember it, you know? Exactly. And it, it was that yeah. good, you know? And, like, I don't know 
Like if I've been anywhere like that in a long time where I can like literally like remember exactly how it tasted, you know? But yeah, Yeah, when you get it. That's what's so wonderful about those experiences. You feel like you, you feel like you can transport yourself there. You know, the whole feeling of being the dining room and the clinking silverware. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's why we love this shit. Uh, Charles, I have a weird, yeah, so I drank all mine, and I'm also yeah. about to read a question. Could I bother you to give me a refill or yeah, hand I'm a gonna, bottle I'm going to take a sip first. Well, that's fine. Before you make me do labor, I'm going to have a little <laughs> sip. Uh, all right, so uh, you are currently living in Milwaukee, is that correct? Yeah, so we moved to Milwaukee to try to get craft notes going down there. Nice. So, yeah, we were doing well here and had good partners, and... Just so I've lived grow, you know. I've lived in Milwaukee twice. Nice. I've lived in Madison once, and I've lived in Lacrosse once. And uh, I wanted to to ask you. So, like in Minnesota, we rag on Wisconsin all the time because simply because of proximity. Right? Uh, that's fair. Uh, but I actually really enjoy most of the time that I have spent there. Yeah. Like there are things laughably that I will joke around about for Wisconsin, but most of them are the same things that I would make fun of Minnesota for, Iowa for. Sure. It's just, for whatever reason, like you make, it's, you make fun of your kid brother, whatever you, however you want to frame it. Right. But what is something that you feel like people outside of Wisconsin don't understand about the food or drink situation in Wisconsin? Oh, people, um, I mean. Like, what do you wish more people (laughs) maybe understood? Well, uh, the thing that I miss the most is that they don't really have much Asian food, it seems like, in Milwaukee. Like, I really like Thai and Vietnamese and, like, all the fresh flavors, you know, and, like, fresh vegetables. Like, that's kind of my thing. Let's cheers and, real like, quick. Like, oh, because yeah, we're going to forget. Cheers, cheers, yeah, cheers. to, cheers to uh, good foods in Wisconsin. Yeah. yeah. But having said that, like, you know, their sauce, like, I mean... <laughs> Sadly, no, like, like, uh, they live up to their, uh, in my opinion, I feel like they live up to their stereotypes as far as like really good cheese. Like, I mean, Mm. but that's the thing. Like you can go to the, there's this grocery store called Woodman's. You can go to Woodman's and buy like $3 a pound for cheese. That's amazing. I don't know what, how, but it, but it's there and you can do it. Like, uh, I, I, I don't know. That's great. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's a very like big like, they're, they're big on big portions, and they're big on their, like, burgers. I mean, Milwaukee is kind of famous for the custard and the Culver's and the Cops and the Leon's. Like, they kind of came out of there. but and, and they do it right, you know? Like, they, like, roast the pecans that day and put them in their butter pecan, you know? And it's, and it's really good. Um, I don't know if I'm answering your question exactly no. perfectly. But uh, like. as you – I would say that they live up to their stereotype. Um, the thing – I mean, they really do. They just live up to their stereotype. It's like it's it's like all sausage all the time. But man. they're good at it. Is what you're they're saying, very right? good at it. Yeah, yeah they're, they're very good at it. it. There's a reason they're known for it. Oh, there's a reason they're known yeah. for it. Yeah, and like people. I mean, the other thing that actually I didn't know, but I found that I really loved is they've got all these like really cool like Italian and Polish like markets, like yep. meat markets and stuff. Mm. And I mean, like honestly, some of the best pizza I've ever had in the states has come from this like little Italian deli that like. You know, on Tuesdays they have ten dollar taken bakes, and we get them for our kids. You know, and they're just they're just perfect. And he makes his own What's Italian sausage, and it's just uh, that one is called the Taste 
of uh, Scardinia. Mm-hmm. Okay. But then the, the, the more famous one is called Gloriosos. But uh, their Italian sausage is like bomb, dude. Gloriosos like, makes the best jardinera on fucking earth, period. Really? Yeah, and it's re- yeah, dude. Their stuff is really so, good. And you can go in there and you get they get like a sandwich counter slash grocery store. Throw that store. on the fucking sausage pizza. Mm-hmm. What's that, dude? Their sausage, dude. Their sausage. They and they uh, last time I was there, actually, my my brother in law asked me to pick him up some sausages. So he's like, I'm like, how much you need? He's like, give me like a hundred bucks worth. I'm like, what? You so know I like bought a hundred bucks worth of like Italian here. sausages. <laughs> the and, sausage uh, conversion rate is off. Yeah, I'm like, dude, there's way too many sausages. I like had this giant bag. I like bought them out, but but then uh, I noticed they had uh, they had breakfast sausages, which was basically their Italian sausage with bacon. Yep. So it was mm. awesome, man. Like it was just really, really good. Oh wow! So it's so, Italian sausage, but. It's caught with bacon. Yeah, like, yeah. So okay. that was their that was their version of breakfast sausage, right. but, but it was amazing. Dig it. Yeah, that that's actually okay. the the first time that I ever had jardinera on a pizza was I had gotten hooked on their on Glorioso's jardinera oh, yeah. and like they sell in these big ass yeah, jars. It's really yeah. good. And so I was grabbing one to come home because there was a, a all night like a late night food cart right in front of my apartment that mm. did sausages, but all he had was like dried ass kraut. Like, it would just sit there. And I'm sure if you got it a little bit earlier, it was great. But we'd be getting out of work at, like, 2.30 or 3 in the morning. And so it had just been sitting there. And it was, like, mm. it was toasted cabbage at that point. And so I would grab jardinera, and I would just throw it on the sausage. And that was, like, the greatest thing ever. Yeah. And the second time I went to go buy one, the guy was like, yo, throw that shit on a, like, sausage pizza. It'll change your life. And I was like, all right, guy, I've never met before and won't see again. I'm going to go do that right now. <laughs> and I did. And I literally ate an entire piece, like not stopping, like conehead style, just mm. slowly just gnawing it. away. And it was, it was incredible. Yeah. yeah. When they have like 20 different kinds of it too. Is yeah. Like, yeah. But yeah, no, actually one of my favorite sandwiches, it's like just like thick slices of mushroom and eggplant. They do eggplant really good. And then they put a bunch of the, bunch of the spicy peppers. I'm Ooh. not sure if it's muffaletta or Giordano, but like it's, it's one of the, one it's of the things, so, one of their many, mm. one of their 20 flavors. It's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I will uh, go nicely together. I'll be out there next month, Charles. I'll try and pick some home so you can try it. Uh, and this is in Milwaukee? Correct. Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Yeah. Yeah, dude. And yeah. it's, yeah, it, it's a cool scene, like, dude. Like they, uh, I mean, it's industrial. I, I, and I will say the one thing that I really, really like, this is something that I think maybe people don't know about Milwaukee, but I love it, is that I've gotten in more random ass like conversations with random people on the street in one year being there than I have like in many years of being here, you know, just like random people will come up and talk to you. Not just like little superficial, like, Hey guy, you know, it's like actual conversations mm-hmm. about like something. I love that. And it's not just the bucks either. You know, although, <laughs> although a lot of people do it's want to talk part about of it. Bucks. Yeah. No, I've been, yeah. I was telling Matt before we started recording, I haven't been in Milwaukee in 25 years. I just don't, I go that way, I'm going to Chicago, mm. and I spend a lot of time in Madison. Um, that's my answer. It's this is tangentially related to food and beverage. You can fucking smoke cigars at certain dude establishments. The Jeffrey Dahmer bar, yep. shakers, Wisconsin. dude. It's like you smoke cigars, and that's where he picked up dudes that he murdered. Yeah, that's delightful. I've been in there, the but uh, I'm a serial killer historian, so I will have to go there someday. But the spot I go to in Madison is called Maduro. Oh yeah, uh, it's not like. I mean, I adore it's up it. by the Capitol, right? Yes, yeah. very close. Yeah, yeah. That, um, that it's always awesome. my stop at the end of the evening, especially in the summer. The doors are open. It's funny because they have outdoor patio seating, but I ain't fucking sitting out there because I want to be inside a bar smoking cigars. They have nice, comfortable brown leather chairs and love seats, like cool couches and, and, and coffee tables, nice uh, 
antique bar, pretty good selection. They've been very craft beer focused over the last, you know, 15 years or so. I started going there uh, for gr- the Great Taste of Midwest weekends because mm-hmm. they would do a Bell's Tap takeover every year. They probably still do it. They do. But I haven't been to GTOM in a while. Uh, so I, I started going there because I'd go to the Bell's Tap takeover, like trying to get some of the cool Bell's beers that they would have on tap, like Wild One. And then I'm like, I can fucking smoke cigars here. So it would always be one of my first stops when I came into town. Now I go there, regardless of the beer. They make pretty good cocktails. You get a dirty martini, and you tell them the way you like it. But just about anyone's going to be able to do it well. They do a fine job of it. Um, but beyond that, it's just the, the concept of being able to sit down comfortably in a bar, light up a cigar, enjoy it, look around for a few seconds because you feel like you're doing something wrong because you're from a state that doesn't allow that. Uh, that's something that... Far and away, that is the number one benefit to me of dining and drinking in Wisconsin is that I have that opportunity available to me that is not available to me in the state in which I reside. Yeah, that's fair. You should check out uh, Stateline Distillery. They're really good, too. Can like I smoke I, cigars yeah. there? I don't believe you can Well, smoke I'm not cigars. going. Outside. I think they uh, got a patio. Stateline? They got a smoking patio. <laughs> in I your think. car. <laughs> yeah, uh, your car. Some, I mean, some distilleries won't let you smoke outside. Actually, no. what has just occurred here, which is pretty cool in the world of cigar smokers, is O'Shaughnessy Distillery in Minneapolis. It's right near Surly. Just got a tobacco license. Oh, really? And that's fascinating to me because Pip told me a year ago that he's going to make it so that I can smoke outside. And every time I've gone there, they keep adding stuff that makes it so you can't get far away from the building. And the signs have been up that say, must be 50 feet away because of flammable substances. But now they have a tobacco license, and I'm led to believe that you can... I haven't been there yet because this is only a couple weeks. I've been led to believe that you can smoke on the patio now, and I'm like, fucking right. I wish places would be a little more hospitable. Not everywhere, but there's opportunity there if places can get... And I don't think, and I don't think most of them require an actual license. There are varying laws for different cities. But just the opportunity to like have someone come sit on your patio to smoke a cigar because most places are like... You cannot light up anywhere around here. If you want to smoke a cigar, you need to go stand in the street. It's like, actually not the worst idea for like a night too, because they bring together community oh yeah. people that that are interested in that. Yeah, I mean, Minneapolis or I'm sorry, Milwaukee, they have tons of cigar bars everywhere. Yeah. I bet. Yeah, it's, that it's, would be amazing. It is actually kind of weird to see because I'm like, oh wow, you can do that here. You know? Yeah, <laughs> that's a, I mean, I spent so many years here. Yeah, yeah, but it's, oh, I bet uh, Milwaukee's got some great cigar bars, dude. But yeah, they, I mean, Milwaukee's got, I mean, Milwaukee's got a really killer music scene and. Actually, like I did an event uh, about a month and a half ago. I mean, it was my six-year-old and then uh, one of his friends from school and one of his like uh, his, his friends, uh, Bernie out dad, you know, was just like, let's drink some beer, you know, kind of guy. And, uh, you know, he'll just pound Miller Lite all day, you know, and, and he did. We did a 24-hour bike race and uh, it's called 24, but it made me feel like I was kind of like here at Mayday. Made a parade, you know, like that whole like powder horn vibe with like mm. when everyone's actually coming together and like just a beautiful day when yeah. it happens, you know. But like where there's parties at every street and and everywhere and and um and it really was and it's 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 a really cool event and I think it's something that like we should do in Minneapolis. But cool. it's uh it, it's family friendly, it's cool, it's fun, and it's just uh it, it was really just designed to bring the neighborhood together and the community together of River West, which is kind of like they're like you know, border uh, neighborhood that's like hip, but also kind of like right next to some rougher neighborhoods, you know? So that was really, really cool and fun. And that, that definitely made me happy. Um, but yeah, so we've been, we've been exploring Milwaukee. It's, it's been fun. 
Good. yeah, I like it. Dig it. I'm going to have to come check it out again soon. Uh, they got good punk? Yeah. yeah, they do. Good music scene, dude. It's, it's awesome because it's like, you know, having Chicago that close, it's just mm. such an easy place to have another giant urban center for people to play with enough people to sustain a music scene. So you have bands that don't want to pay to live in Chicago and they move there and then they fall in love and then they stay there. It's, it's, I, I, I do love that. My answer is similar to yours, uh, Matt, in that the, the world-class cheese scene is ridiculous there. Like it's really fun to like for, for us in Minnesota to, to cast stones and joke around about cheese curds and whatnot. But like, some of the so they funky, do have that. they do a have a lot that. of it. Yeah, they got everywhere. Squeaky, squeaky cheese at every gas station. Don't get me wrong, mm. but if you search it out a little bit, you can find literally some of the most world class cheeses. Especially when you want to get into like funky, weird stuff, cave age stuff. That was something that I was not prepared to really wrap my head around. Was just how good the quality of like the upper echelon of, of mm. that stuff is. Yeah. And they got a place actually right by our house called the diplomat. They just got a James beard award this year. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And that's I, a really I, good place. Yep. There's another place I really like. It's called the hungry sumo, but it's uh, basically just sushi and noodles, but it's, it's really good too. But sushi in Milwaukee. I mean, it's, you know, it's Milwaukee sushi. <laughs> it sounds funny. It's not the best sushi the I've had time, in my like... life, but it's pretty damn good. Yeah. For what it is. And it, I, I love, I love that aspect of it. And then the, the flip side of that, is that if you embrace how much, like how intertwined like tavern and bar culture is with Wisconsin culture, you can really find some incredible gems. Like if you go the exact opposite, Charles, of your trip to Mexico City, and you're like, I'm only going to drink in bars that are in houses in residential neighborhoods, you could literally (laughs) spend a week doing that. And it's 100% like the tavern is in the breezeway and the smoking area is in the attached yeah. garage. Mm. And, and it's, it's authentic, dude. Yeah. Like, and it's I, cool. It's a vibe that, like, we have dive bars, but not like that. Like, sure. there is a place in La Crosse, Wisconsin, that is literally the corner house in a residential neighborhood. <laughs> and she got a permit. I think her yeah. mom got a permit. And then she took the house over. And that... The bar starts at the breezeway and it continues through the attached garage. Yep. And you go there for breakfast and she literally has like a residential kitchen stove and she's it's, making giant pots of scrambled eggs. Must and be then, a zoning thing, you know, like Gibbs is my favorite cocktail bar in Wisconsin. It's in Madison. It's a fucking house. It's yep. like a house party. Yep. The downstairs is one bar. The upstairs is one bar. There's a little, you can, you can sit out on the porch, which I usually do if there's room. Like I order a cocktail and I go sit out on the front porch. You feel like you're at... A house party. Yep. It's That's it. Cool. And, and it goes back to what you were saying about the people, too. Every time I'm at one of those bars, I end up having, like, an incredible discussion it's, with some random person yeah. about a topic that I didn't see coming. And we leave with, like, a handshake and, like, that was great. And maybe yep. we had a shot together. And then we part ways. And it's not like, let's exchange info. We don't need this friendship to continue on anymore. But it was really great to have that conversation. And, and they, I, they enjoyed that and you enjoyed yep. that. And it was cool to, like, actually do that, to, like, authentically enjoy it. Yeah, I and 100% do that. All of the places that I've traveled to, I have never found a place that does it quite like those bars in Wisconsin. Yeah. And I, I adore that. And I think that that is something I want to steal a little bit more. Yeah, they definitely take like a much more casual, 
Like, like my friend came, actually a friend of mine came down and visited and, you know, at the end of the weekend, he, we still went and saw Dave Chappelle and went to Summerfest and we took him to a bunch of the bougie spots and we took him to some, actually there is a place called La Morena, you'd probably like Charles, it's like, it's like kind of tapas of the world, so it's like small plates, um, Funny enough, the thing that the waitress suggested was the only thing that I didn't like, but uh, but really good food. Um, but uh, anyway, he came down and he his comment at the end of the weekend, right before he was leaving, he's like, you know, I really like Milwaukee. You know, he's like, it's very, um, you know, it's like I'd say the Twin Cities is very like more like cosmopolitan, and Milwaukee is more metropolitan. You know, and I'm like, that's actually a pretty good way of putting it because it's a little bit dirtier, a little bit grittier, but it's got like, because of that, it's also got this like casualness and this also like approachability that like, you know, maybe somewhat like it here, like, you know, it's like we have too many laws to, to actually like allow somebody to open a bar <laughs> yeah, in their yeah. house, you know, like we have like, right. like I was at a concert actually the other day, it was a free concert uh, in downtown and they just, you know, they have those here obviously too as well, the big concerts in the middle of the park kind of deal, only in this park. You bring your picnic basket full of drinks. Like, there was, like, an old couple, like, right in the front of stage. There was cops, like, there, you know, watching everybody, right? And then there's this old couple. They've got, like, a whole bottle of Jameson and a, a two-liter bottle of ginger More oil, of that. Like, sitting on the table. And it's just, like, it's just part of their culture more, you know? Like, I think yeah. it's more, like, accepted. And it's uh, well, it's just what the they do. And, and you can argue whether that's United a good States thing or a bad thing. But it's, but it is, uh, you know, it's, it, it is part of their culture. And so I guess, like, yeah. I wish I could tell you like things that people wouldn't know, but it's just like, it's stereotypically what you mm -hmm. would think of, um, you know, also that they do have James Beard award winners and yeah, stuff too. Absolutely. But like that, like, yeah, the general culture surrounds this like German, like sausage and beer and they do it well, you know, sausage, beer, cheese, bread, uh, all the things that, you know, yeah, they do it well. <laughs> so well, I think that's an obvious cheers. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to explain why. Boom. But Cheers to the yeah. Germans. I also do just have to put on record when you were talking about buying your friend $100 worth of sausage. Uh, for my bachelor party, because I've lived a very wild and weird life, uh, I literally wanted to have a sausage party where I invited a bunch of dudes over. Everybody had to bring a record and play one side of that record and tell everybody why they played it. And then we just grilled sausages and uh, I had just gotten, I had switched banks and I had just gotten a new check card and didn't realize that I had like a daily spending limit set on it. And I tried to run my card at Cremar Checks for $416 worth of sausage. <laughs> and my limit was set at 400. So it was declined. And I'm like, that's not possible. There's plenty of money in there. So I called the bank and the guy's like, yeah, you have a, you have a preset spending limit at $400, but are you trying to buy more than $400 worth of sausage? And I go, yeah. And he got real quiet. He goes, okay, we'll, uh, we'll move that limit for you. And, uh, <laughs> I need to. Please go ahead. <laughs> but just like, should I call a doctor? Like, is this okay that this person is buying that much sausage? It is a lot of sausage. It's it was a lot. Okay. We, uh, we had a meter worst. It's not all for me. We literally had a meter worst yep. that oh, yeah. the coil filled the entire grill. <laughs> and it was perfect. You got to know someone to get the meter worst. I oh, used yeah. to, how long ago was this? Uh, well, that was uh, eight plus years ago. Yeah, see, that used to just be for Gestav Zer Gemütlichkeit. That was the only reason that Karmarchek's produced. Or if you're really nice to Dan, he will agree to do that for you. If you what? <laughs> if you're really nice to Dan. Who's Dan? I don't know. I worked there in college. Dan Karmarchek? Oh, you worked there in college? There's no Dan Karmarchek. Well, 
Dan, I don't know. The, Some Dan. <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, there might have been a Dan. I don't know if he was a Dan Kermarczyk. Uh, maybe there's a have, secret, Charles, maybe you, there's know, a you know the Kermarczyk Northeast area. Do they the still have the, uh, Wait, the Polish church? Nick, yeah. There, there you go. Mm-hmm. Do they still have the Polish uh, church pierogies? Uh, the, you mean the Ukrainian church? Yeah, the yeah, university? yeah, the Ukrainian church. That does still, the dinner, yeah. They still, they still slang mm-hmm. those pierogies. Sadly, now it's more of a fundraiser than it is. But actually, so I'm really looking forward. Next weekend, my uncle... Dude, my I, there's some cool people in my family. My uncle Rogelio, he's like literally just became a citizen. Even though he's been married to my aunt forever, mm. he literally just became a citizen because, uh, I mean, basically because of our last president, he uh, he was afraid that he was going to get exported, you know, and <laughs> they kicked out, mm-hmm. and so um, he are uh, deported and kicked out, and so they uh, so he finally like signed the paperwork to become a citizen. So he's got dual citizenship. But anyway. He lives to eat just good Mexican food, you know, and like they always go down to Mexico City and they always go down all over the place in in Mexico. And um, but uh, I'm really excited because next weekend he's taking us on like a Mexican food tour of Chicago. And apparently there's this carnitas place that like only sells carnitas and you can buy tacos or you can buy it by the pound. Huh? Carnitas Uruapan? I don't know what it's called. That's a place that's super hype right now. It's a Carnitas specific place. I Is haven't it in been Pilsen? there. Yet, I know it's in Pilsen. It, I that's probably it. Almost certain. I haven't been there, so I'm not like 100 percent sure. But um, like Jorge, maybe that's why because he, he said he doesn't go there anymore. But Carnitas. he'll take me there. Maybe he doesn't go there anymore because it got like hip or something. Carnitas Uruapan is. Let me see if it's Pilsen. Yeah. Yep, it's in Pilsen. Yep. That's it. It's yeah, that's, that's the one. place that's, then. Yeah, that's a spot that's been. And I've seen photos of it, and I'm just like, fuck. Because I've had my last two Chicago trips canceled. One from me hurting my Achilles, and then the next one from um, a friend of mine getting COVID that I was supposed to travel with. Unfortunately, he tested before we departed. Otherwise, I would have had to cancel in Mexico. Yep. But so my last two trips, I want to go sometime in September. That's really high on my list. So he ain't lying to you. Your uncle knows what's up. Oh, yeah. And he's been, well, because they lived in Pilsen. So they like, yeah. I mean, they back when it was like a rough neighborhood, you know, and mm-hmm. like, yeah. So he knows he's he's got he's got a list of places. So I, I'll let you know if there's anything I discover that's oh, really yeah. amazing. Me, but he goes authentic, you know. Quam yeah. to us up on number. Three. Oh yeah, all right. So uh, number three, being that uh, that you are doing craft notes and that we are both uh, in. Well, I'm in the beer industry, and you are very closely tied to it, Charles. Uh, it's been a hell of a couple of years. It's been pretty tumultuous, and we've seen a lot of changes in the industry. Uh, where you sit right now, what do you think the next wave is going to be? What do you think the next trend is going to be? Where do you see things going? Maybe not even just in what the beer they're making, but like in beer halls and tap rooms. Do you uh, see things going? In I mean, direction? I think. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. Like that. I mean, at least as far as the the immediate next thing. If it, or if it already isn't, you know, it is kind of doing like the gluten-free NA stuff. Like Athletic Brewing is huge and like actually mm-hmm. making pretty good beer. Like, I mean, obviously Burning Brothers has been doing gluten-free stuff forever, but I think um, someone's got that triumphant like 100, you know, 99 calorie or 95 calorie, you know, session IPA. I think things are going more towards the lighter scene and towards the gluten-free scene and towards, you know, just things that are a little bit more health-driven. I think there's a pretty big, I don't know, I don't get those things because, you know, Facebook algorithm, right? But, like, a friend told me that there's a pretty big, like, NA movement out there, it's like, huge. doing, like, the zero-proof concept. And, like, um, I don't know, I think, like, that is going to be the thing. But I, I, I will tell you, like, the last 
party I went to, this would have been pre-pandemic though, but last like younger party I went to, like everyone was just like drinking seltzers and, and smoking vapes, you know? So I think, I think that things are going to go the way, especially with legalization in Minnesota. I think like, you know, like I know that Minneapolis Cider Co has already done mm -hmm. it. And I know that pretty much everyone that I've talked to is planning on something. Mm -hmm. So, um, some of them are launching a separate secondary brands, but, uh, you know, I, I think actually, if you want to keep, I think the people that'll be on top of the next trend is going to be over at Earl Giles. Like they're opening their tap room or their tasting room, like in a week, I think he said, I think their light main licensure starts in like mid September, yeah, but like in July, they're, but they they're, they're doing a soft opening on Thursday. I know. And like, I mean, it's cool, man, but I think like they're going to have a lot of those kind of products there, you know? Um, I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Ben? Well, actually, I mean, Charles, do you want to wait? They got the analytics. Oh, we got, we got, we got stuff. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. All right. I mean, I, I think that specifically to the state of Minnesota, THC is, is an added thing, but I don't know that that's going to give anybody enough revenue stream to change what they're doing in the, the, mm. their barrels no, and tap rooms. Not. I agree with you 100% on the, the NA stuff. I think that that's not going to go away. Uh, I actually kind of hope that trend stays. Um, I, there are a lot of times that, like, I'll look around the beer hall or, like, you know, when we're hosting an event or whatever, and I'll talk to people and, like, how you get home today? Like, oh, I drove. Like, it's just beer. And I'm like, yeah, but you had, like, five IPAs, bro. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I will be much happier when I know that we have, like, a good tasting NA or two in every single tap room. I like that. Mm -hmm. But I think... Um, have you had the Bauhaus one? I have. I the actually, Bauhaus one is real good. I have three of them in my fridge right now oh, because nice. I drank the other three. Uh, I think it's a, a fantastic offering. And that and, honestly, Heine Heineken Zero are my two faves. I really enjoy Heineken Zero. I think it's spot on for what they're trying to do. Uh, but the route that I really hope things are going on a bigger picture is tap rooms are becoming more of a gathering space for a lot of stuff. Yeah. Like I remember the, f I remember thinking I would love to go to a tap room that wasn't playing metal like years ago and not because <laughs> I dislike metal, but because I thought it was really cliche that every tap room I went to, and this was before we could have them I in Minnesota. Uh, everyone I went to was playing like aggressive aggro, I mean, they, they but I, I think that that is actually reflective of the industry changing who is running it. Like, you know, you look at some of those original, like, really good breweries. I mean, Summit was one of the first companies we ever worked with, you know, and, like, they were cool. And, like, they, you know, because there was this wave where, right, where, like, there was only this couple of breweries. Then there was this wave of, like, there were a bunch of them, but only a couple of those guys could really actually make good beer. Mm -hmm. You know, now I feel like they're all making good beer, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that, like, the market has gotten so saturated that they're, you know, I think the events and the way that they're marketing themselves and a lot of these things are really just reflective of them running, especially being, like, the taproom only focus, you know, to where, like, you know, before, you know, you used to be able to go on, like, a brew tour, and it was cool because there's this big tap house that, like, had all these intricacies and all these people working there because that's what you had to do in order to like be profitable at that scale because you couldn't have a tasting room. You know, like I know for a fact that you have to sell, you know, $10,000 worth of distro for what you can sell $1,000 and make the same profit as you do is $1,000 in your tap room. And so it's like, 
you know, I think that, I think that my, my, my feeling is, is that they're, they're adapting to what the market wants because they have to, you know, like. I agree with that they have to, but I also think that there's a, a larger focus on actually trying to like bring in a bigger tent too. And like, I think, so to finish the, like the music conversation. So the first time that I went to a tap room that wasn't playing metal, it was playing like pretty aggressive nineties hip hop, which was awesome. But then it, it seemed like it was almost ironic because it was, it was all white men working there <laughs> and you're listening to Long the songs. Hair, yeah. And like, yeah. I'm looking around and like half these guys aren't even old enough to have grown up with this. So is this a flex on trying to be cool or is this, I'm ironically playing it because it's against type. And again, it's not, I have no problem with either of those genres. I listen to a lot of those genres, but it's like when that's your only thing. And as a DJ, you know, you got to bring everybody in. You got to bring everybody in. You play to the crowd, make them have a good time. Right? And I've seen menus start to change where it's not a giant plate of meat with some sort of <laughs> starch to shovel it into your mouth. Like now the, the menus are, are more well thought out. It's almost like, it's growing up to understand that this is a part of the hospitality industry. Right. Not, I want you to feel like what it's like listening to my headphones while I'm brewing this beer. And I've really, there are, it, I mean, it's always going to be like a weird growing pains as growth happens. But I mean, but, too, that you can also say that like, you know, the original ones, they weren't just like the old white guys playing, you know, heavy metal. It was like old white guys playing heavy metal in a, in a basically warehouse yep. with, you know, picnic tables sitting around. Yep. Plus, you know, now it's evolved to where it's like, yeah, the menus evolved, the mm -hmm. drinks have evolved, the music have evolved, the staff has evolved. The, the, and more importantly, I think like the whole scene, you know, mm -hmm. like the whole, like they're actually like decor is important now. Like brand is important now, but that's what I mean. Like, it's kind of like, to me, it's more moving toward, you know, just bars, yep. you know, it's a, it's a bar. Yep. And they happen to also sell other products. Yeah, you know, they make. They happen to also sell the things they make. Yeah, you know, Charles. Uh, I don't know where where are you at on that? There's so many ways I can go with this because this is a big part of what I do for a living as a consultant with a lot of um, breweries. Part of the reason um, I asked. What do you say? <laughs> said, part of the it's part of the reason I asked. Well, I also can't talk about certain things because people pay me to talk about those things. But uh, I I still disagree that there's any saturation point or that we are saturated. If you're good at what you do, you'll succeed. You just got to tick all the boxes, those boxes being service, product, marketing. You oh, tick sure. all those three boxes, you're going to succeed. There's no saturation. They're just competition. And people weren't equipped for comp. A lot of breweries started that weren't equipped for competition, and they did well because there was no competition. Right. Right. But now 100%. Not, now well, they want to blame everything but themselves if they're not doing well, when if they just tick those three boxes, it's easier said than done, but you can see what you're doing wrong yeah. if your service is terrible. Dude, I will never forget, and this is like at the like, very beginning of it, you know, like when there was like Summit was the only, but I'll never forget, I was actually at Grumpy's, yeah. and one of the local sales guys came in, and he was trying to sell, I'm not going to say which brewery, but okay. he was, you know, he's like, this was his sales pitch, and I shit you not, he's like, well, it's a it's a really good nut brown, I mean, it was supposed to be an alt, but it's a nut brown. I already know who you're talking about. And I'm like, 
That's not how you sell beer, that's dude. Like, like that beer. does not selling me. I will not drink that. In fact, I will not drink it now that I know what it is mm. on tap. Even though I might have before because I didn't know. You know, it's like, okay. yeah. you know, I'm not going to say if I liked it or not because I never tried it. You know, but that's part of the service element because, like, sales, like basically your entire human component. That's that's one. Yeah. That's one of the three points of that that triangle. What I'm going to say is, and this is something that I've been saying for a while, and it's not necessarily something I get paid to say because it has nothing to do with my existing clientele has more to do with the future. It might not be that distant of the future. I've been saying this for a few years and I feel like this future is closer to us than I thought it would be when I started saying it three years ago. But I think the brewery and tap room of the future is going to have very few options, but do them very well. Mm. Basically the historic European model of brewery. I think that new breweries that are going to be opening in like five to seven years are going to do three things exceptionally like well. Like pills. Well, they do more than three things. They, well, yeah, do, they, they do, got a bunch. They do more than Everyone, but they, well, to be fair, though, they opened with like four. Yeah. Oh, a lot of, I mean, that, but that, and they well, did well. Now, but now you're talking about the past because the past was always that you'd open for, with only a handful of fistful and then eventually you'd see all those boards clacking up. Bloop, 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 bloop. And now places are opening with a dozen. Like, we can't open without 12 beers. Right. But I do a lot of surveying and boots on the ground and all sorts of things with consumers where, We've already very clearly identified that consumers have option paralysis. Yeah. And right. a lot of breweries don't even understand how they're self cannibalizing. Even like right. they can't see like this beer and this beer zero each other out because yeah. a consumer sees those two products and they end up wanting neither. If they don't pick between the two, they don't want either one of them because your menu is confusing yep. and your positioning is confusing and the ABVs are confusing. And like, we're but get, really, we're, what we're all, I think we're all saying the same thing, which is they're basically realizing that they can't just open and be successful they actually have to like do everything good yeah right? but that's like not, they have to like sir, they have to have a cool tap room and, sure, and provide good beer I mean, obviously providing good beer is the first right but then they have to do things, everything else as while well. all those things are absolutely mutually exclusively true that's not the point i'm making the point i'm making is that they're, they're, we're going to start identifying at least these new businesses if they're doing their job they're going to start identifying that People don't want a ton of options. They just want you to do a good job. Because yep. yep. you can open, I mean, depending on what your what kind of crew you have and your equipment and all that, we can, I mean, this day and age, you can open a new brewery with 12 beers on tap and they can all be really good. But we're well past the days of people fetishizing who has the most beers. No one's going to your tap room because it has five more right. beers than the tap room next door. No. no. And in the future, people are going to say like, look, man, this place is a lager house. They have three of them on offer. Each of them is great. Let's go drink some lager. Let's right. go sit down and drink just whatever the the Pilsner, the American lager, the fucking the Martzen, whatever. Right. They have three lagers. They do them great. And they'll have one Let's like mediocre up. like stout or something to like also serve. But no, yeah. but I'm saying that there will be breweries that will open with this model and they will operate successfully and they won't have to stumble over themselves because the bicycle they're riding. Now they now have to juggle on and there's like, you know, a monkey dancing on their head and they got a propeller hat on and there's too a much. flaming sword in their mouth. Like instead they can just fucking ride the bicycle oh. because I'm already, I, I'm already seeing that people want, want that type of an opportunity or that type of an experience. I'm one of those people. There are breweries in Chicago, for instance, like Dovetail does all lager and they fucking kill it. They got more than three beers, but if Dovetail had just three of the beers they produce, if they had only three of them, like their three best-selling ones, and that's all they sold there, I would still want to go there every time I go to Chicago. Mm -hmm. 
I don't need the puffery. I don't need the like eight iterations. Of, I don't need the half of ice and the smoked half of ice, and even though they're both beautiful, but I think that that's a lesson we're going to learn is like do what you do well and minimize it and let people know what they're coming here for. And then the other thing is that will, that will lend itself toward breweries getting the elusive Joe six-pack that's the most valuable consumer, Joe or Jill six-pack, the person who just drinks your beer all the time. Oh, yeah. If you have three beers and they love your beer, they're, they're going to pick one of them. They're going to drink it all the time. That's why I really, I actually really like Oudapils because I think like that's what they do, you know? Like they have like their like four flagships, you know, their Hefeweiss and their Alt. Two beers that I actually like really like both of those. And previously I would not say, I would definitely not count those as my favorite styles of beer, you sure. know? Yeah, but like many, I like those as some of my favorite I, beers. I love an Alt. Um, I like Hefeweiss too, but I love Alts. I just know that they're mostly bound to fail. If you yeah. make an Alt, you're probably yeah. going to dump <laughs> Definitely. It. It's too heavy for this market. But. It's people, don't, people just don't know what it is. And yep. We stopped educating people, so it's <laughs> you gotta. They kind of just like land on what they land on, which is the stuff they already know. Which I is will the tell you, they drank when they were young, or the hazies that everybody's drinking. So you gotta grab one because that guy's got one. Or like you know, Westies are never going anywhere. I will tell you, I'm not you a, a hazy fan. A I'm not, not a hazy IP fan. Well, you're no. one of a few people. I know, I know. I just uh, I used to like the Hui, like Luplin had a really nice one, and uh, I don't know, I just had one too many or something. Just like all of a sudden, I just didn't like them anymore. I've really moved back towards like Pilsners and like really lighter beers, lagers. Like Arbiter's been doing a nice job. And like I said, Uda Pils, I, I like them. But Haha ha, Pils um, is ridiculous. But that's that been kind of so nice good. about Milwaukee too, is like I feel like, you know, like uh, like Lakefront makes some really nice beers, but like their best one is probably just their their uh, River, River West uh, lager, red lager. And it's just mm. a nice beer. It's just like easy to drink and it's full flavor, but not too heavy. And it's just a Give nice it to beer, me. you know? Yeah. Bargaining. Cheers to that shit. Yeah. Cheers. Boom. The people making good things. But that's actually like, I mean, that's kind of the idea of craft notes, right? Like the way that like I positioned it or the way that I wanted it to be, like I don't really feel mm -hmm. that it's, it's not really for the, I mean, I obviously want to attract those people and I believe that they have a part there, but it's like, it's not a hundred percent for the, uh, you know, hardcore beer geek who's on untapped or whatever, or who's tracking every single beer they're drinking. Although I would like that. I'm Are more people still on untapped. I believe so. Yeah. I'm fascinated. Yeah. They're still doing <laughs> but well. I mean, there's still, well, there's still a high contingent of like beer geeks, you know? And like, and, and, and I say that like endearingly, you know, like, but, sure. but I don't think that, you know, like, like, in fact, I would have considered myself one, but I never was on untapped, you know? And I wasn't on untapped because like, I just didn't like, I didn't care. Like, and, and, and like you said, like to, to your point, like I wasn't choosing a place cause it would have 37 beers. I would choose a place and I wouldn't also not choose a place because it had like one beer that like, you know, that I knew that they had, it was more just like, I'm going to this place cause I know they have good beers, you know, or I'm going, you know, like, sure. Like I'm assuming that there's well, there something, right. Like I trust them to give me a choice. And, mm -hmm. and, and that's kind of like from, and that is kind of the approach that we're trying to take on craft notes. Like we're not trying to say, we are trying to say that every single place on there is exceptional and is lovable. And that's not to say that every single place on there you will love, but that every place is loved by most. And that, you know, by giving you a hundred. And so that's kind of our thing is like, we will never give you more than a hundred because we don't want you to feel overwhelmed. We want you to see the two best places next close to you, you know? And like, that should be your focus rather than like being every single place like Yelp, 
very helpful tool if you want to look at 450 reviews and then never go to a place. In fact, like, do you ever see that uh, Master of None show? Yeah. Like, they, they have, like, an entire episode where they're just basically, like, searching Yelp for, like, taco truck reviews. You know, it's like, and they never go, I think. I think that's the end is they just, like, run out of time and, like, aren't hungry anymore or something. It's Bro. just, like, and, like, that's the worst, you know? And, like, that, that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to say, here's a bunch of really good businesses. Go to one of them. Spend yeah. one night looking at Yelp reviews of national monuments. Oh, boy. <laughs> It'll no, change you. how you feel about the country. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. Will it? Matt, <laughs> topic number four. Okay, and number I'm going to kick this four. one out because I want to contextualize it. And it was brought on by a recent, several recent conversations with my wife. And I was just like, this is kind of a fun thing to think about. Uh, so what's something your wife has always wanted you to do or like some hidden secret of your past that she wants to learn more about that you've been unwilling to divulge or acquiesce to so far? And I'm going to kick it off because... I, that's my, an obscure question. <laughs> no, it's uh, that's why I'm going to contextualize it. Okay, because it sounds like it sounds like evil, but it's not. So, and I can't believe I'm share some weird shit. I you've never told your wife on in this general, podcast. but like I'll get no, weird. Like, I'll let me contextualize it. Let me let me contextualize it. So, there's this thing I've been hiding from the universe for a long time, and some people know about it that I grew up with. Uh, I used to be a child model, and there's a there's a VHS tape hidden somewhere in my mom's house that she won't let me find because she knows I'll destroy it and I don't want anyone to ever see it. And she told Marnie about it recently when Marnie was over helping with my brother. Ooh. She mentioned it and I was like, she better know that you see that tape. Ooh. But Marnie's like, I have to see the tape. And I told, I told Marnie about this a long time ago. I think she forgot about it. But my, so there's this tape that exists of me child modeling on a runway. Like it was like a JCPenney show for like summer wear. So I'm like wearing those shirts and I got a towel and sunglasses, but I don't, I don't, I've always like wanted to, I love this. I've always wanted. So that's example. Number one example. Number two is I had a dream last night that I was in Vegas with Marnie and I accidentally shaved off my entire beard. And then actually I I had a a full head of hair for some reason, but then I was like in the dream, I was like, well, I better go show Marnie. And I told her about this morning and she says, you know what? The VHS tape of you modeling is second only to seeing you without a beard and the things that I wish that I could experience about you. So if that helps you guys to contextualize the kind of shit I'm talking about, I'm, like a dance class, I don't fucking know. I'm just going to jump. Everyone's got something. I'm going to jump on this real quick and okay, just tell you, it. Charles, do yeah. not do that. Because. What, shave? I won't. Don't worry. I will just tell you that I, I shaved my beard once for a movie. <laughs> yeah, I know role. This. Yeah. yeah, and literally, I can't forget. I don't want to see you without a beard. The one. look of revulsion in my wife's face okay. when I came out of the bathroom mm. was something that I will remember for the rest of my life. See, the problem is, Marnie knows I have dimples. Oh, so she's like, she can think. Get rid she of the can beard. Think whatever she see. wants. Yeah. I'm sure your dimples are adorable. I will be a different person yeah. to her. Yeah, she's it was. Never... It was. It was not. It was. Well, I guess. You are a handsome human being. I'm not going to say that it wouldn't work. I will just say I will never shave my beard again for the rest of my life because of the look Amen. that my wife gave me when yeah. I walked out of that, that was bathroom. It? You're like, Mm-mm. I'm going like, to stay in the bathroom till I grow a beard. Like, she just went completely Which for me would be an hour, flat-faced and just yeah. stared at me. And then I, I gave her a, too. I gave her a kiss and she was like, <laughs> I feel like I just kissed a 14-year-old. What? Grow it back. Grow, grow it back. You just backed into the bush. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I tried like holding my breath and pushing really hard, hoping yeah. a beard would just grow oh. back. It did not. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> just word to the wise. Yeah. Those of you who had beards when you met 
your significant other, tread lightly. Maybe keep it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and for all the listeners out there, we all have beards. Yeah, we are all bearded <laughs> fellas. Uh, I I think that for me, it would be like I. <laughs> Not surprising anybody who's listened to the show. Not a lot of secrets in my world. Uh, pretty much everything is is out there. Uh, I was the baby that politicians held in the early '80s. I was the uh, noble, upstanding Boy Scout mm-hmm. that politicians talked to in their political brochures in the later '80s. Like I've everything that I've done. Like my wife pretty much knows about. There's mm-hmm. no there's no hidden sure. things. But if it had to be something that that my wife would want me to do i think it would be just to see to see the order and the uh, the analytical side of the world a little bit more that, that she does like i look at a lot of systems and rules yeah simply as chains that have to be pulled out of the wall and uh thing like borders that have to be broken and i think that sometimes she knows that i'm just doing it because i don't like feeling that sense but in all reality most of the things that she's doing and most of the systems that she's set up have given us a much better life and i just like part i i change my morning routine almost every morning because i'm like not gonna catch me in that habit uh i don't know why it's not i'm not there's no the man that i'm fighting nobody is trying to rein me in or or pen me in I'm not waiting for a cowboy to give me wide open spaces, but if I catch myself doing the same thing for too many days in a row, then I'll switch it up just to make me feel better. And I think that that's very frustrating for anybody who has to live with somebody that like any system, I will eventually find a way to twist and or break. And I don't know why I do that. So that would be something that I would, I want to get better at. So she wants you to have to be like more regimented. Yeah. Just like, so we had a we had a long issue with shoes. I I never I lived in a lot of houses where you just you could wear your shoes in and like wear them around wherever yeah. you kick them off, you kick them off. And that was not when we built our home together, that was not how she wanted things. So then I moved like now I kick my shoes off at the door, but I have a lot of shoes. I wear a lot of different pairs of shoes and they will like pile up by the door and that has now become the new frustration. And it's not like I don't know that they're there. I see them all the time. But I don't know. For whatever reason, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to put another pair there. <laughs> like, I don't know what it is. You pile. Yeah, it's just I, I, have, I have this like weird urge to just push boundaries that have been set f- just by a kind human being that I love very much. And I've always done that. That has nothing to do with her, I'm sure. No, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't even... No, it's it's all internally in my head. But that I guess that would be like, hey, maybe like we have a couple things set up since two of us live in this small domicile. Maybe we have these things that we agree on and we just do those. Right. So like I've learned to, to clean as I, I cook now, so I'm doing dishes a whole lot more while I'm cooking. It's like, you know, I can get better. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not a lost cause. But yeah, that would, I, I think that would probably be it because... I, I, I just don't, I, I can't think of anything that I keep as a, a There's hidden no secret. like, yeah, thing that she, no like baby photo or anything. My, like real talk, my dad, when we started dating, we, we kept it secret for four months and we've talked about that on the show before. 
after it became public, my dad was one of the first people to find out because he surprised us. We were supposed to have a romantic weekend away at the cabin, and him and my former stepmother showed up because they felt like it. So we had to, like, explain what was going on. And literally the next week, my dad showed up at the bar that I worked at with a stack of baby photos that I had never seen of myself before. Oh, wow. And, like, Jenny was working on the floor. She's serving multiple tables. And my dad, just in the well of the bar, just starts busting out baby photos. was like, thought you'd like to see these. So <laughs> between... Both of my parents and myself, there's no room left for secrets. But did he feel like he never got to embarrass you in high school or something? So yeah, I mean middle school. Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't around as much, so there was no time to do that. But also, I've 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 lived my own cringe and my own embarrassment. I I own all of my cringe, so there's no there's nothing there was nothing to hide. Like I was a football player who was in a musical. Who like my favorite moments in in high school were in my acapella choir and AP English. Like I, I owned my nerdery on my sleeve and I still do to this day. So there wasn't anything that I felt like, like I had to hide, I guess. And because all of, yeah, I don't know. I guess that would be, I mean, full disclosure, the only reason that I still care about the tape is because for my entire life, I've told people they can't watch it. No. Oh. <laughs> like, I have friends that I've known since when I was... When was the last time you saw it? I'd, well, my mom's hidden it from me, so I, I haven't seen it since oh. I was a child when I when it, that tape was created. I, I did it pay I'd for your friends, college? Oh, no, it's not like I was rolling <laughs> in it. You know, fucking child, local child model doesn't really I didn't bank eat- it. I didn't eat a Big Mac at that time, late eighties, early nineties. You know, I didn't eat a Big Mac from McDonald's until I was in my thirties because I didn't like hamburgers when I was a kid. And then everybody was like, "What do you mean you've never had a Big Mac?" And I was like, "Fuck you! I don't eat it in my life." And I was that stubborn that I held on all the way until I was like, "This is so dumb!" Like, I should at least know what the fuck it tastes like. You were fine with that. Um, I'm pretty. It's not good. I won't have another one. Right, but you did it. You check but, the box. Now you can say conclusively. My but big problem you is, is I always it. want to do things differently than like, you know, I'm like, ah, everyone does it that way, you know? And like, we do things differently. And then it's just like, I just feel like sometimes I make things like way harder on me and my wife, you oh, know? That, that hits right here. Yeah. <laughs> right it's just here. like, you know, it was like, like for DJ, for example, like I, I used to buy records, but I'd be like, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to find way cooler records than, than like the ones that everyone's jamming to. And I go to the store and I just like never, you know, like you can find some good stuff, right? But like, you know, and then I made the fatal error too uh, many times of like smoking before I'd go. And then I'm like, oh yeah, this is awesome. And then I come up, bring it in. And I'm like, what was I thinking? I just wasted $10, <laughs> you know? But, uh, but yeah, now that's like, I, I feel like sometimes I should just like follow. Sometimes I want to follow and sometimes I want to like lead. I don't know. I go back and forth. Sure. You know. So do you have an embarrassing thing or like a thing that your wife would like you to do that you don't want to do? Or is this the worst question that I've ever asked in 62 <laughs> episodes? I mean, there's definitely some things <laughs> that I can't, uh, that I'm definitely not bringing up in the public, but uh, okay. from, from my youth. You but, um, yeah, well. but, uh, but as far as like things that she would like me to do, I mean, man, dude, like, I mean, I, I've got two kids and so... I guess uh, I comply with my wife, but my reasoning is is mostly just because I don't want to get yelled at anymore. <laughs> and it's like, you know, like the, the one thing she's changed me on, I used to be, because we work in the bar industry, you know, and I've worked with a lot of bartenders, and I got yeah. so used to, like, setting these meetings and having them just be late. 
that I basically realized that I, I, I followed more of a uh, South American framework of, of time, <laughs> you know, of punctuality, you know, which was, you know, whenever I feel like it, you know, and, and so, um, you know, that's something I never was good at, but now I'm very good with because, you know, she kind of ingrained it in me as well as like the stress of having kids and like having things be like super scheduled. Um, you know, so it's like, uh, and now it is funny because it bothers me when friends do that to me, where the, like the friends that don't have kids that they're like, oh yeah, dude, like come on over. And then you come over and it's like eight o'clock and they're like, oh yeah, like I'm, we're, we're you know, we're just going to pre-party and hang out and do this and do that. And it's like 1030 and I'm like, I gotta go home, man. Yeah. My kids are going to be waking me up at 530, whether I want to be or not, you know, and it's like, oh no, we're just going out. I'm like, dude, <laughs> you know? So it's like, I told you, I told you, or like, you know, so I get a lot of that kind of thing. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm a pretty good husband. I think one of the things that I'm personally trying to change is try to do things a little bit more for me. I tend to like try to make a lot of decisions based upon what I think she wants rather than, uh, maybe what we should do. And so I think that sometimes gets in the way because then I feel like I made a decision for her, but if it goes underappreciated, then like, what was the point? You know, I don't know if that's, yeah, a, no, that's, that's real. But I don't know. That's a deep question, Charles. Damn. <laughs> I wish it's either too deep or it's too shallow. I can't figure out which. Hopefully, hopefully our wives aren't listening to this. I just, I just want to see that modeling video. <laughs> I bet you were a fucking adorable kid, Charles. There's no possible way. Well, what happened? Cheers. Still adorable. We just moved the hair. To the other side. Yeah. One That's thing right. I will say Mr. that I really... Uh, Mr. Fuzzy, what the fuck is that thing? Uh, oh, Wooly Willy. Wooly Willy. Yeah. One, one thing I will say that Cheers, I really yes. like about my wife or that, like, she... Like, we... We really kind of, like, formed our bonds on, like, travel and, like, doing, like, really interesting things together. And I would yeah. say that that's something that we both complained about recently about not being able to do and and obviously the last two years for the obvious reason has like also played a part in that hasn't been easy but um yeah no i mean like yeah we tried to go to uh mexico actually and we were just like because now we got two kids and it's like dude i'm not paying it was like tickets i remember i mean i'm not dating myself at all by saying i remember when you could get tickets to mexico for 350 bucks you know and now six months ago no, dude. So we <laughs> yeah, tried to go. We tried to go for spring break, and it was like a thousand bucks to fly to Mexico. And and I'm like, I'm not spending four thousand dollars on flights to get to Mexico. Yeah, this is no, a tangent, no, but like I I blew two kids at work's minds. Oh God! By saying that, yeah. <laughs> Don't isolate that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm <laughs> glad you added the Keep word minds in there. Audio. Yeah, I'm glad you added the word minds. <laughs> Charles, if you if you They're if minds. you mute that minds, that would be. <laughs> so I blew myself. Uh, but no, um, th- they did not understand that you used to be able to walk up and just buy a ticket at the counter. Right. Like yeah, you could literally totally. walk up at the Delta counter, well, at mm-hmm. the time Northwest, you could walk up and say, I want to go somewhere. Like, what do you have for $200? And they could find X, Y, or Z flights, and then you could buy a ticket right oh, there. Someone just told me recently that they had to do this and that the person working the counter said, no one's ever done this before. Wait, wait, how they does it work? They still do it. Wait, like going up to the oh, counter I, and buy a ticket. I, I was told that they're not even allowed to sell the tickets anymore. Uh, some airline must do it. And I don't remember who wow. told me the story, but someone said recently they had a flight canceled. Oh, it was Mark Schwant. No he told shit. us about this. No, maybe it wasn't that. Mark. Wait, wait, how does this work? What, someone what? told me they went and bought a ticket at a counter, 
And they were like, oh my God, nobody's ever done this. So I went, uh, Matt, I went to- So it to, must be some airlines. I went I, to Baltimore in my 20s. Yeah. I literally went to the airport and I had money in my pocket and was like, I want to go somewhere that's not here. What can I get for $200? And she was like, today, tomorrow, when? I'm like, today if possible. And she goes, the only thing I have for less than $200 right now is uh, Chicago or Baltimore. And I- we, at the time, we used to go to Chicago literally every six months. So I was like, I don't need to fly there for that. Right. But I'll go to Baltimore. Mm. And I literally bought a it's ticket. Baltimore, yeah. And then I went home, packed some shit up, came back to the airport, got on a plane, went to Baltimore, and hung out. So is that a better Someone price still do than it, if you would do it online? There wasn't really no. a whole lot of online back then. Yeah, okay. no, it was just that that's how people... But it was would, like, you could literally... buy tickets. They just walk up to the counter yep. and they say, like, one ticket to Paris, France, please. Yep, and they would just click I through. I wonder if that would work today. Well, so, according so, to Quam, they said they don't do it anymore, but some airline must do it because very... Like, I'm talking, like, within weeks, somebody told me a story about how, like, some... Like, a cancel... I don't know what it was, but they had to literally go up to the counter. If you're listening to this and you're the person in question, please let us know. <laughs> but uh, And they had to go up to the counter and buy a ticket, and the person working was like... This is the first time this has ever happened that I've been working here. And they said the person had been working there forever. Crazy. Yeah, so my uh, good, good friend <laughs> Did Taj. Did you know how to do it? I don't think so. Yeah, Shout out to Taj. It's funny. If you guys are, if anyone listening ever flies through uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport, Terminal 1, there is an incredibly gorgeous human being named Taj who wears one of the red coats for Delta. And Taj was the one that told me that they were told they can't do that anymore. Unless so you're being can't. bumped okay. or moved. Oh, yeah. So if you have to... But you can't Well, the just... person I'm talking about, the person in question, I think, missed the flight. That's they, different. they went to book. But I don't know if it was the same airline. I yeah. just know that the person was like, whoa, you're doing what? Because yeah. they, like, paid for it. So that was... Yeah. So literally, like... Yeah, it was just, like, go to the airport and walk in with money and be like, tell me where I'm going. And if you didn't like the flights there, you could go to, like, the next airline's counter and do the same thing again. It's... It's just a, a a relic of a bygone era. I know, man. I wish <laughs> it. I wish I could. Uh, yeah, I just wish I could go somewhere. Uh, are we um, at number five? Is it me? Number five. Five. Oh, cheers. Oh, I thought we cheers, but we can cheers. Again. I'll cheers again. <laughs> Unlimited uh, cheers. So, looking at what you're doing with with Craft Notes, and looking at kind of where we focus on our work, and also. Looking at, at this podcast, um, the underlying thread for me and the thing that I love about the show and about what I do for a living and what I love about most of the humans that are the closest to me in my world is that we're trying to bring people together, right? We're trying to create moments where we can hang out and be together and laugh and have a good time. Yeah. And everything from the outside in is shouting at us that like, we've never been more divided. And this is the, the worst it's ever been. And you have a different perspective and currently are living in a different city. And I'm just fascinated. Like where, how do you feel about that? Like, where do you see, whether you want to look at it from like a community level or like a society level or a worldwide level, like, do you feel like, I guess to qualify this, I feel like in my social interactions, like I've never seen a better community coming out and like talking about health and talking about mental health and talking about taking care of yourselves and uh, making you know, things better. Yeah, I mean, I think, 
for example, I read a, a, a study recently where they, you know, a survey that they did, and it's basically, uh, they asked people, like, how do you feel about your financial situation, you know, and how do you think the country's doing? And overwhelmingly, it was negative. Yeah. Yet, like, if you look at actual incomes and actual, like, you know, living standards, it's obviously much improved, even despite the pandemic, right. you know? And so, like... And obviously, I know it's not for every single person, but we're talking like majorities. I think too often, in fact, I think the giant crime to humanity that social media has done is basically allow, and, and regular media in general, has been basically to put a focus on outlying data rather than like on actual average data. You know, because we, we, we should live within that bell curve, not at the ends of it, you know? And, and um, so, yeah, I, I, I agree with you 100% as far as reality but i think that perception is also as pretty much as divided and as negative as it could be you know and i don't know i mean obviously i think that i i i wish there was an easy answer i i don't you know that's that's a that's the politicians mm -hmm. questions you know but like for me i i mean i think you know i definitely know people who are on the opposite side of the political spectrum and you know, there's some of them I respect and some of them I don't, you know, and it's, it depends on the, the way that they approach and the way that they articulate their, their beliefs. Um, I don't, yeah, I mean, I guess it's also kind of like how, like if you're the type of person, if you disagree with somebody or how, um, you know, how in your face are you going to get, you know? And, and I think, uh, I think we all, I think the internet has provided that sense of anonymity and, and, uh, you know, the pandemic has accentuated that. And, you know, like, hopefully people are starting to realize. And I think people in some ways, like, are, you know, like you're seeing, like, the decisions like Roe v. Wade and, like, you know, some of those things, like, I think people are starting to get that, like, maybe, like, there is a little something to statesmanship. And, you know, I mean, I, it's funny because I actually liked Biden because he was boring, you know, and like yeah. that was my point. I'm like, dude, we need somebody who's boring. Like, that is good you know because now we can't you know obviously other people found excuses to get mad at them about but like you know the boring to me was a positive yeah. you know and, and and like i don't know i think um i think that most people in this country actually do agree on a lot of things it just is a question of like how do we not get distracted it's not even like how do we even find the solutions to those problems but how do we not get distracted by other things that don't matter you know and like so many times and, and i mean you see it all the time it's like oh like whatever happened in, in fact you you were in mexico i have a good question of like whatever happened to that caravan yeah right yeah. like yeah like that was like all we heard about for and, and now that caravan like just never it just never came into america and destroyed anything like it was supposed to like what happened it was three weeks straight of defcon one yes and then like and then just like what happened and never like nothing happened dude and like I don't know, like, it, it just feel like that, like, and it, and even if that would have been a thing, like, that would have literally only affected, like, one town in Texas, you know, like, it wouldn't have affected anybody, but, like, everybody across the country, dude, like, I heard a thing where, like, like, they went to Alaska, and they were, like, and, like, there was, like, all this Islamophobia, and it's, like, dude, there's not even a single, there's not a Muslim guy within 350 miles, you know? And you're, like, worried about, like, Islamic immigrants coming in and, like, taking over your town. Like, it's just, like, crazy. 
And like I, but I, but it's because like the media has created these situations and gotten him to focus on Islamophobia yeah. rather than like focusing on the fact that like you know that the the environment is crashing. You know, and I mean that's why like I mean so I don't know if you remember it, but like I mean we created this like whole like sustainability passport, and the whole concept was because I mean, and obviously this was me trying to do something good in like our field you know but like the the you know and it's probably naive to think that like if you got enough people excited about sustainability issues and the things that and supporting the businesses that were really hyper focused on actually authentically doing something good and and above and beyond what maybe even made sense from like a financial perspective even though like obviously a lot of times i found that it actually did make sense but if but if but if you could say that like it made sense not just business-wise but also because people will support you because of that yeah like others will follow mm -hmm. and that's where you can like realize real scale you know like obviously one business doing it doesn't matter how big they are that's probably not going to do much impact but like if you can get it you know if other people are like holy shit like people love that business because they're doing something good mm -hmm. like you know and 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 maybe to that point about bringing people together maybe that's the point is like finding things that we can like coalesce around like you know a really good restaurant scene or like really good craft beer or like you know insert insert topic there you know like what's something that we can get people who are across both the divides you know both the great divide to to come together and like agree that like hey at least we can like if we both like this maybe we both like other things or yeah. both agree and i and i actually genuinely do feel that with in regards to most subjects that the majority of Americans feel the exact same way about things. It just is really like, are we getting distracted by shit that doesn't matter? And then are we like, you know, being extreme just to piss somebody off? Yeah. I mean, Charles, what are your thoughts there? I know. Good answer. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I follow politics no, and sustainability. This, in my also, things, this, dude, uh, this, this question wasn't because I had an answer for it. It was because everything that I do in my life is all about bringing people together. And I had two weddings, Friday and Saturday, this last weekend. And all I saw were a ton of human beings from a ton of different backgrounds hugging each other and talking about how much they love each other. Yeah. And then I got in the car the, on Sunday morning to run to the store. And the entire time, I just had the radio on because it's such a short drive. I didn't want to like plug my phone in and pick a song. So I had the the I had NPR on, and it was literally a story about how this is like the most politically divided we've ever been. And I'm like, bro, like 70 years ago, like we weren't sure if people with dark skin should have human rights. Are we sure that this is the most divided we've ever been? Though I'm sure if you like thought about it, though, like I look back at 2015 with some fondness. Oh, 100%. You know, like but that's yeah. not in, in fact, in fact, actually, so <laughs> my kid. Fucking loves that uh, L M F A A F O uh, like um, party rocking song, mm -hmm. and I and it made me think about like so so because I so I got serious you know on my on my car and I'm looking at it and like it comes on and it's like 2012 and I'm like holy shit mm -hmm. that was 2012 mm -hmm. and that got me thinking that like actually like that whole remember that whole genre right like like what were all the guys like dirt dirt uh dirt nasty and um uh, uh who, who was the guy with the, that he, he that was his whole thing the whole party hard tour yeah what, what was his name 
There's I'm drawing a Riff blank. Raff and Dirt Nasty and Mickey Avalon. Mickey Avalon, yeah. that's who I'm thinking of. Yeah. 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 And like that, there was like that whole era. And then it kind of got me thinking that like actually like the music, like the music of our times, like really reflects kind of the general feel, especially the stuff that's popular, right? It kind of reflects like, like, like look at, you know, the protests of the Vietnam, Creedence mm-hmm. Clearwater, like yep. all the shit was all about like Dylan, like all it was all about like protest songs, right? Because that was what was in. Mm-hmm. And like, and, and if you look at 2012, party rocking, that's what it was. That was it. Like, and, and, you know, maybe that's what like kind of gave rise to craft beer. But I think like now it's like all this like super political shit because shit is so fucked up. And that's like a, a, a tweak from 2012 Absolutely. to now, you know, 2012, years. we had no problems. I mean, it was, not to say we didn't have problems, but like the general status was, Things are pretty good. Let's party rock, you know? And, like, now it's not, you know? And, like, I think if <laughs> anyone needs to, like, take a barometer of, like, has th- have things improved for you or have things not, like, I think you can just say, we know in 2012 you were party rocking, and in 2020 you're worried about the world ending. Does it- so, like... Do you know anything about LMFAO? Like the, the not, not really, not too much. Other does than it, that song, which I, is actually pretty fun, and now it, like, we try to dance Does like it, it make it worse if I tell you that that's Barry Gordy's son and nephew? And <laughs> the whole awesome. thing was literally bankrolled and paid for by the Barry Gordy Motown fortune? Oh, that's that's <laughs> I mean, cool. Like it, it always. Like, that was one of those things where I'm like, of course, of course it was. Because I thought, like, oh, it's these two random dudes who just like wanted to have fun, and you're like, nope fuck they had millions of dollars behind it that, anyway i don't want to i don't want i'm not gonna I mean, but i'm not gonna yuck somebody's I mean, well, now you're just talking about the story of america yeah i just want to do the dude running, i just want to do, do the running guys, man do you guys, have, do you guys have netflix yeah do you did you watch the uh the full this is going to be a spoiler alert but like did you watch the full um uh, uh ozarks no no so, i haven't seen the last episode so please do not talk about it Oh, you haven't seen it? No, don't right. talk about earmuffs, it. Earmuffs, earmuffs. No, we're no. not doing this. We got to pause it. We're not <laughs> All right, about but this. basically. Why are we talking about Ozark? <laughs> because this is it, a job from LMFAO to Ozark. I'm actually fascinated. Because it, because it, well, the idea that like money funded ah, okay. legacy yep. and how you got that money didn't matter. And what you did to get it didn't matter because this is America. Yep. Like, we don't care. Like, you could be the best person, the most authentic person, the nicest person, and we spit on you because you don't have money. Yep. And, and that is truly the essence of what's wrong with, like, any, anything. Like, money is respected more than anything else. In fact, you're, you're horrible at business. You're a shady person, but you have money, so no, you're, you're awesome. You know, like, that's... 100% what's wrong. And, and, and we try to, and like with Craft Notes, I mean, we try to pick Elon small companies Musk. as well as big companies, but like we try to pick ones that are authentic, you know, like ones that are actually doing something good. And I, and I hope that people get that, you know, and I, and I would hope that people start to supporting places that they actually, and, and, and maybe that is a positive thing that I think like that's another thing about like the evolution of the industry and stuff. I think that like now people are at least somewhat, you know, and I think it's going to continue to grow. The trend I think is people supporting the things that are actually doing authentic things. And I think there's been so many places that have done these, like, you know, it's just a marketing ploy versus it's actually authentic. Mm-hmm. I think that's that right now the marketing ploy people, they're it's a smart marketing ploy, but I think that like that will flush itself out as the more and more people care. I agree. 
Sorry, Charles. You started talking, then we jumped out of together. Anyway, you should finish watching no, Ozark. I hadn't. I yeah, hadn't even really dug into mine. I'm gonna focus on. I mean, I'm not gonna say I'm gonna focus on the positive. I'm gonna focus on a positive because if we get into political conversation, I disagree with a lot of what's been said. Um, I think there is divisiveness, but I think it's important divisiveness. I was just telling someone today, if your racist uncle comes to Thanksgiving, you should fucking yell at him. Mm-hmm. Anyways, what I'm going to say is that over these last few years, with the divisiveness that has been pervasive in our community, my actual community has gone closer together. And I think that's critical. It's like a push and pull. And there's been sort of this like insular effect, like a black hole that's like bound people in the community I call home much closer together. And I absolutely adore that. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't take that back yeah. for the world. There's but has it bound there. you closer to your tribe and allowed you to not like make friends with other people, other tribes? No, because the people you're talking about, like, I'm not going to get into that. Like, because there are reasons that there are people that I won't allow to be close to me. And it's not like it's an entire, you know, people act like that's like a massive group of people. It's a very small group of people that I'm exclusive of that I don't want to be a part of my life. Mm-hmm. This idea that we need to like listen to everybody during like Mitt Romney's campaign, that might have been true. I don't think it's true anymore. But what I want to say is that I adore my community and communities like it. And the closeness I feel to the people within my community is something that I didn't necessarily feel five, ten years ago because there was more strangeness. It wasn't, there wasn't as much like finding commonality with even like someone who lives next door to you that didn't, that wasn't always, you know, that it, it was mostly like your neighbor's your neighbor and not necessarily your friend, but now there's a lot of like finding commonality with the people who are physically close to you as well as people, you know, in like the broader community in in a very positive way it's been like you know there's a a a negative effect and a positive effect to divisiveness and that's i want to basically shine a light on that positive effect that like a lot of people that i may not have ever got to know very well five years ago i got to know because of commonalities and wanting to build community in a way that like um we weren't always working toward mutual goals because people were so like morbidly obsessed with personal goals but now i see more people wanting to work toward goals of like building up mm-hmm. community and that's something that like in terms of you know you, you asked kind of like a broad question regarding yeah. the state of like society and our communities and stuff that's something that like for me is a silver lining being able to see that i i can build relationships with people in a different way than i could when things were air quotes better you know it's like it's a, it's a little bit of an offset to the effect of the last several years. I think, I, I, honestly, Charles, I mean, I think you and I, we overlap so much on that. I think that I agree with you. And my answer would be, I think, related to yours in that what I've really liked is while everybody is talking about quote-unquote cancel culture, which I still don't really think is a thing, What I love is that the other side is true, is that what I see is a lot of people choosing to support businesses and choosing to gather and to form Mm -hmm. groups around places that are doing good. Mm -hmm. And I've seen more galvanizing support for causes that I think would have been completely missed and overlooked five or 10 years ago. 
where we would have had a fundraiser at a bar that maybe would have got two or three hundred dollars now are getting twenty or thirty thousand dollars overnight because the stakes are that high and I think that 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 form of community has been very very calming and soothing to me because I am cynical about humanity and for anybody that follows me on social media you know where my politics sit I am very vocal about it and I am very militant about it but that said, I'm still trying to figure out ways to bring people together. And I think that the, the more that we focus on that in like, okay, so I have this side of things and then you have that side of things and you have this side of things. What if we all did something together and we could put it towards something good? I've seen more of that in the last five years than I've seen in my entire life leading up to that. You know, I've, I've bragged on a couple different interviews that I've done about the charity events that I've emceed or DJed. I, I used to keep a running tally and that we had raised over $3 million as of 2019. That's a really cool figure, but a lot of those came from giant corporate charities like American Heart Association, things like that, or the Starkey Foundation. Doing great work, but also they are their own machines. Mm-hmm. I've seen five to six digit fundraising for grassroots organizations trying to help individual human beings or groups of human beings. And I don't know if maybe I just missed that previous or if it really is the effect of how traumatizing the four years under the last president were. Whatever reason that, that it, whatever reason spurred that, planted that seed, the good is worth it, and I love that. And I've been trying to focus more on that about how do we. Yeah. Every time, like, I love throwing a party and having a good time. It is very first world of me to enjoy and or complain about the things that I enjoy and or complain about. So what if every time we did that, we added a little bit of good to it? And I've seen more people attached to that in the last few years right. than I've ever seen before. And I really love if that's something that we can keep going, where we can always focus on, hey, we're all together, we're all fortunate right now, what if we did something to kick forward? I think that that might be something that reminds us all of the humanity that we have inside of us and, and why getting together is such a wonderful thing. But, and that's why I think it's like a little bit part of a trend too because like younger people care, and, yeah. you know, and they will start having economic power soon, you know? And, that, and that's sadly what it takes for people to like really give, you know, other people to really give a shit. Yeah, I mean, like, it was salient what you were saying regarding, like, make politics boring again because people sometimes are voting against their own self-interest because of personality correct. politics. Or because they get like upset about some little team. issue. Like, they, they like, oh, you're going to take my AK-47. Like, that's not a thing. You know, like, like it, it's like, you know, or maybe taking an AK-47, but we're not going to take your gun, you know? Like, that, like, people get, like, so hyped up or, like, well, it's like what you, you know, said the about immigrants the caravans. We're, like, we're looking in the wrong... We have so many bigger issues right now. Right. You know, but we're, like, wagging the dog constantly. 75% of America thinks we should do something about climate change. 75% of America, or 85% of America, thinks that abortion should be legal at some point. Yes. You know, I mean, and I know the point differs for everybody. But like, vote on gun rights. 70% of people wanted, like, to uh, change. But, like, but, 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 but unfortunately... State, 70% of people wanted the legal age of purchasing a gun to be 21 or yep. older. 
But the governor won't do. I think it was Georgia. But yep, the governor but, won't do anything. But they about won't. It. They won't do anything uh, because. But they won't remember. do anything. Like I mean, it's the same thing. Like I don't know if you heard about that SEC rule, but like they mm. basically the SEC was was in the Supreme Court recently, and basically they were told they can't levy fines legally against somebody because of some. I'm sorry, they weren't at the Supreme Court. They were at the district court yeah, below right. the federal court. But like basically, the fact that some one judge decided one one Trump was there was two of three. But like the basically the decision ended up that like. Basically, the SEC has no ability to regulate, and that has like ramifications Insane. across the entire oh, industry. And it, and that's for the EPA, the, the IRS, like any any government organization that's a, that's an extension of the executive. And like, you know, that's that's just where we're at today. Like, and and they're what they're doing is though is like like uh, I love how after the last election in Florida when DeSantis won. You know, like they also had on the ballot a gun control measure that was passed by the Parkland that was basically forwarded, pushed by the Parkland people and passed. Right. And and he basically came around and said, although you followed every single legal channel yeah. channel to like, you know, that was in the state constitution to like get this number of signatures, yep. get it on the ballot, get it passed in this way, blah, blah, blah. I don't think it's a constitutional thing, so I'm not going to do it. And there's what the fuck? Like there's, there's like and, and I think and sadly, I think that like. In contrast to the good feelings, I think that like it doesn't take, and I, and I think Trump kind of like showcased that is it doesn't take like if ninety nine percent of of all humans on this planet we're all on board with the exact same thing and we're good people, that one percent is gonna fucking fuck it all mm -hmm. up. Like Ricky Gervais made this movie about like the invention of lying, yeah. and it's hilarious because like <laughs> that movie is so much better than. But it's give an extreme. But it but it's it it, it, it showcases. Mm -hmm. I saw Al Franken last week, and he wrote the book "Lying Liars and the Lies yep. They Tell." Right. Yeah, dude, and like yeah, poor Franken. He was one of the very. He was actually one of the very few I thought had like statesmanship, intelligence, mm -hmm. as well understanding, as well as like a stage show that he could. Like he was one of the very few people who could actually had all of could check all of the boxes mm -hmm. and like he gave up for no reason you know like well, the party and, turned on him yes yeah. meanwhile 15 and years ago we we canceled howard dean right, because going, we canceled Bleh! right because because we got mad at him for like doing some stupid thing and it and like Matt that gates is still in office whatever yes. that thing is yeah and that's and that's the thing and that's why <laughs> that's why we can't have nice things you know yep it's like why can't we have nice things why can't we just have like a fair tax i i actually I mean, if you want to get into politics, I actually think we could solve America <laughs> with four things. <laughs> four things. No, I'll, I'll say it. Four things. I think this because I want to go. Right, on don't record. recap each one, but tell us the four. Because we're the four things. Okay, numbers. super quick. So, <laughs> yeah. so, and and there's plenty of proof behind these things. But I think it, I think it's I think it would take a decade. But I think if we instituted these following changes, like right now, one, like, and, and it's and this is all it would take. Rapid fire. It, it, okay, one, everyone. one. We're going to uh, we're going to give kids hope. And we're going to do that by making the school systems a little bit more equitable. And we're going to also give them, if, if you test in and, and, you know, what the, you know, final limit might be or whatever, it can be debated. But like, say, call 500000 If your parents make 500000 you don't apply. You got to pay for college. But if you make under 500000 you get free college, assuming you test into it. And that gives, you know, it obviously gives so, people who have advantages. Okay, next, Clearly, go, they're go, advantaged. Go, 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 go. Okay. Next. <laughs> so, so that's the that's one. First, we we'll give hope. Second, we like we, we give we give their communities. We start to grow them in the right direction yeah. by giving homes to the people that have worked hard and have been part of those communities, but just you know, obviously can't get their shit together in this credit fueled system to like 
save for a down payment and yeah. stuff. So rather than giving subsidized housing, we give people houses and we give, you know, probably four or five per block and we just do as many as we got. We got like, you know, 12 blocks this year, you know, and we're going to make yeah. transform those or 12 we, blocks we also and we're going to give them good schools. So now you've got like, you've got, and, and, but basically all you've done is you've shown these people that if you try hard, you've, you get, you get free college. And even if you can't succeed, but you still try hard, you'll, you can maybe even earn a house, which means long-term you can actually earn some equity and actually have a chance. Okay, then, so we're basically, giving you hope um number three is um we're, we're going to uh again i think it comes back to the theme of like rewarding people who choose to work hard so we're going to basically lower income taxes for everybody but we're going to raise and actually create some kind of a state tax so we're going to actually encourage people to work hard and earn their money and if you earn it we're not going to take it all from you we're going to, if, if, if you're wealthy, like it's, it's crazy how we all like talk about how like, oh, we got to talk about the people who like, you, you work hard, you earn it, and then you can be like the super wealthy. It's like, no, dude, like how many like rich kids are just like doing nothing like because they can, you know, and, and like generational wealth. Exactly. And so like you can't say that you are for these like, you know, getting rid of like estate taxes, but you're also for the concept of working hard. You can say you're for one of the other things, but you can't say that like you're rewarding people for their hard work because you're just not, you know? So basically it all revolves around hard work. And, uh, number four, I don't know. I've had too much tequila. Uh Oh, well, do you, know, do you have number, number four? four? Number four is it. drink tequila. Number four is, drink yeah. Number four is drinking tequila, <laughs> but it all revolves around those, those themes. I all had right, a good well, shit, one, let's but. drink some more tequila. Just no, I, I mostly agree with yeah. the things that you've just said, but yes, cheers. Let's uh, let's talk about num nums. I don't have politics. If you hit that, if you hit that skip thirty second button like forty times, because you're like, you guys need to shut the fuck up. I don't blame you. You're still listening. Thank you for fuck for Trump. Us. If you listened to all that, then also thank you. I thought it was illuminating. But Matt, you, my friend, are part of Lebanese, and it's a small way that you and I have connected in the past. So my question to you is, how much actual cooking of Lebanese, Middle Eastern, or Mediterranean food have you done or been doing? And is it, like, something that you partly leave to the pros? Uh, or is it something that, like, you really explore and try to, like, do more of? Well, I'm a little... Uh, I've been spoiled my whole life. Like, mm. we both have moms, I think, that are, like, phenomenal cooks. Maybe it's a Lebanese thing. I don't know. Yeah. Like, my grandma's the same way. But, um, I mean, I... One one of we we've, earlier we mentioned like meals that we remember and there's mm -hmm. a Leban one of the meals was a Lebanese meal, um, but uh, but yeah so I, I I do a lot of Lebanese cooking I do a lot of kebabs like lamb kebabs we do a tabbouleh hummus lots of different like things awesome. in that like baba ganoush like whenever I grill pretty much if I'm grilling like whatever I'm grilling if I'm grilling hamburgers whatever it doesn't matter but like if I'm grilling I, I will often throw eggplant. an eggplant in the yeah. in the coals and just like you know <laughs> yeah. let it chill in there the whole night and then the next day I turn into bubba ganoush yeah. um but uh I, I don't do the breads my I leave that to like my mom or like somebody else because that's just too much work but um no I do I I would say that Mediterranean food is like probably 50 percent of my diet so we do, we do a lot of, um, you know, a lot of like salads with like feta and fresh tomato and cucumber cool. and, uh, and, you know, I'm a big fan of Kalmata and, um, you know, and then I do a lot of just like lemon vinaigrettes where it's just lemon, olive oil, salt, pepper, maybe a little bit of sugar, a little mm -hmm. bit of Dijon or some anchovy or whatever, but like. be simple, you know, 
Lemon, lemon and oil is kind of like the, the go-to for anything. Um, one of my favorites is uh, the Lebanese green beans with uh, where you just, you know, you almost like caramelize the green beans and do the tomato. Um, my, uh, I have been doing some stuffed zucchini. Um, I actually, grape leaves are one of my go-tos. Like, especially like in Milwaukee, like my kid is going to forest camp. So we pick grape leaves and then we, we make them. Vegetable which, or meat? That's been fun. Cause uh, well, rice and meat. We do rice okay, and beef. Yeah, because you can do that. Obviously, like there's yeah. like yeah, and I know lamb is like we do it with uh, we put the chicken we put like chicken wings on the bottom, and then it kind of oh, you yeah? know cooks like it as chicken stock, you know. Oh, that's so that's a good one. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, that, right. that's a good one. I mean, I I do a lot of Lebanese cooking, man. I like it because you, cool. you can like have it hot, cold, whatever. Uh, the other one, and this one isn't super traditional, but like. I love, I, I've been doing this uh, okay, chicken dude. kebabs where I just do, and it's totally just breast meat, you know, but like chicken kebabs where I do the breast meat and I marinate it in oil and, and oil and uh, lemon mm-hmm. and uh, a little bit of mint. And then um, I just kind of do like a mint leaf and onion, a red onion and a, and a chicken and just kebab it. And it's awesome. You know, nice. Lebanese rice. Great. Yeah. I do a lot of like lentils as well. Like we do like lentil soup a lot and we do um, rice and what, what is it called? Madu, madu, what's Yadra? rice and lentils? No, the rice Yadra. and lentils. Yeah. 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 So we do that. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I do a lot of it. I, my, That's I awesome, save the kibbe, the I'm raw kibbe, the that. raw kibbe is like a favorite for the wife. Not really. Oh. Yeah. She hates it. She hates oh, it. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah she Marnie's hates it. not a fan, but I love Gibby. Yeah. She's eating it, though. She's she's stratic. Okay, yeah. She, she's not a fan. But I wonder if Marnie would be more open to it now that she's been eating, like, things like tartars and sure. carpaccios, you know? And she doesn't dislike it. Like, she'll have a little bit. But she's more on board when my mom does, like, like the baked version or, yeah. you know what I mean? Then she's like, all right, I'll have some of that. But, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, I mean that, um, I mean... It's still one of my. I, I think they do it amazing. There's there's actually a place in Milwaukee called Damascus Gate that's like all Syrian refugees, oh, and it's like there. straight legit. Like it's like very good food. All right. Nice. And then uh, and, and and it's like super authentic. Like really good. They they, they make their own breads and like it's like really good. Um, and then you know like there's Emily's here. Like is phenomenal, dude. Like you can actually do the raw kibbe there. I don't I don't know how many people do, but sure. I order it. Yeah. <laughs> It's not as good as my mom's, though. I'll say that. Yeah, it's, when I have it, it's my mom's making it or I'm in Lebanon. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's just so not as good. So, Kwam, the version of the question for you is, like, what's your experience with Mediterranean or Middle Eastern cuisine? Like, is it something yeah. you've explored a lot or something you would like to explore? <clears throat> no, love, love, love cooking it. And honestly, uh, since you and I started this venture, it's, uh, it's gone through the roof because those flavors are so timeless. Those flavors are so incredible. And honestly, also happen to be uh, a little bit healthier, usually, depending on how you're doing it. You're right that it's timeless because it's like a time capsule because those those recipes haven't changed. Well, that's it. And, like, I'm the nerd that does the deep dive on, like, what's the history of a dish and whatever. And it's always incredible, like, how far back it goes the farther you get towards the equator, really. And you're eating what, like, Middle Eastern kings were eating. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm obsessed with the cultural heritage that my family has, but the one thing that I don't identify with is our our food culture. Mm, I've, sure. I've I have never once felt outside of a couple sweets. Yeah, you and, still try. Yeah, like there's a few dishes where, like, if for no other reason than because it smells like my grandma's kitchen, mm-hmm. I will cook them. But I do not love Scandinavian cuisine. Like modern Scandinavian cuisine 
is doing really cool shit right now, but that has yeah. nothing to do with like what what my family was eating, right? So because I don't have a culinary home culturally in my heart, I've always been trying to find things that I love. And I have done really well with proteins. I feel like my gyro meat is legitimate enough that I would be proud serving that at like a dinner with other people there. I feel the same way about uh, shawarma. Um, I've made my own hummus a number of times. I've added a bunch of different things. I really, really love that. Uh, I cannot, for my fucking life, make a passable pita or lavash. Like, I can't, it's, it's garbage. Every time I try to make it. I am not a great baker, so I think that's step one. It's a one. lot of work to do perfectly, man. Those guys, like... I mean, when I was in Israel, dude, there was this hummus restaurant, and they had, like, nine different kinds of hummus, and that's all they served. And really what it was is, like, the level of grind, you know, yeah. like how, how ground up the chickpeas were, you sure. know. And I'm, but, I'm down with all that. I also feel the same way. Like, my, my people's version of that is lefsa, and I've made it successfully one time, and I got done after three and a half hours, and I was like, I will literally never do that again. <laughs> I will pay... Really adorable old Swedish and Norwegian Better grandmothers to yeah, yeah make it for me. We're good. The proteins I'm on. Uh, my wife and I have a pretty large rift when it comes to olives. Uh, she mm. hates them all, and so that makes it tough on some of the sort of the sides and the condiments. But yeah, basically any mixture of lemon oil, garlic, uh, anchovies, I'm in. Throw that on anything. We're going to throw it on bread. Let's throw it on bread. We'll throw it on salads. Throw it on salad. Do it as a marinade for chicken. Let's do that. Like, all of that, I'm in. So I've just been, like, I feel like I've just been encroaching through the Mediterranean. All of that, huh? Yes, yes. And now I'm, like, I'm pulling in from, uh, we spent half of our honeymoon in Morocco. And so there was some similar flavors. And then you have the Ras Al Hanout side. Okay, we're going to yeah. bring some of that in. Mm-hmm. And then you start getting into Greek things. And then you get into some more like Tuscan and Northern Italy. And that's sort of, that's the, the for lack of a better term, that's like the slutty version of the Mediterranean food that I've been fucking with lately. Mm-hmm. And I really love it. Like it focuses on the quality of stuff. It focuses on fresh tastes. It's not hide everything under a really thick, gross sauce. It's sure. literally celebrate the freshness of everything that's yeah. going on. That's what Mediterranean food is about, is freshness. Mm-hmm. That's like literally rule number one. If someone asks, what is Mediterranean food about? It's about fresh ingredients. Well, and even going back to the, the, the green beans that you were talking about, I, I didn't know that that was a dish. I saw it as a side dish in a, like a, a food show, a travel show. Yeah, Lubia's oh, really? dinner. Like and you eat Lubia's dinner. Like actually, Emily's does a pretty good version of it. Well, they, they put lamb in there. It's actually, it's actually better than the one I do. <laughs> and, well, and my oh, thing was always meat. lamb. Yeah, yeah, they do good. I my was buddy recently made Lubia. Cameron made Lubia, and he made, I believe, lamb chops, and he put it on top. Yeah. And I said, bro, that looks good, but never show that to a Lebanese mother. You get slapped. He's like, why? And I was like, you're not allowed to like adorn it. It is the dish. Yeah. You know, you can't put a protein on top of it. And I was like, even my like good Lebanese boy sensibility, seeing it, I'm like, I know both those things are delicious, but what you're doing is I can't, I can't look at it. It's not right. You know. <laughs> but that was, that was my thing is like, that's, it's that weird difference of like, I'm so afraid to overcook the green beans so they won't have the snap, but you almost have to like you have go through to the other side. It's, it's like to. actually annoyingly long. 
that, that you cook them. Like once, they have to get brown, black. That's like, it. Like, is like once caramelized I, onions. Once I framed it as caramelizing onions, then I was like, and the oh, tomato, right? Like the tomato, you're like basically reducing until it becomes paste. Yes. Correct. You know, like, you're and, making your own tomato and the beans paste are in the like, dish. The actually, beans are like dude, caramelized in effect. Actually, so, you know. here's a super simple recipe for you. Like, so, so I've been doing. Uh, you, you get like Napa cabbage, cut it in like eight pieces, eight big like wedges, and then just put a bunch of olive oil, like stir fry it with olive oil and salt, so that it gets like blackened on the both sides. You know, flip it, just do black both sides. Yeah. Then like literally just like do tomato paste and and a little bit of water, and then like bake the whole thing. You can throw a little cinnamon or uh, some other little kind spices like in there, some garlic if you want. Yeah. But holy shit, dude, it's it, it tastes just nice. like doing the green beans, but so easy because you just like basically just like stir fry the cabbage and then mm. bake it. You so know? we we literally do that at my house. Only it's we do lubia. we throw some uh, chicken thighs with cumin and garlic on top, and then let all of the fat from the chicken cook into oh, yeah, the cabbage, mm-hmm. and then serve that all together. Oh, interesting! It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, it's actually been one of my favorite dishes, honestly. Like nice. I, it sounds, yeah, I, I love cooked like, cabbage, especially like I love grilling cabbage, like getting a char. Like if you think of Brussels sprouts, they're only good if you get some color on them. Fucking cabbage and Brussels sprouts are, are homies, you know. So that getting some char on grilling grilling cabbage is wonderful. Something that mm-hmm. I highly recommend. Uh, yeah, I've been I mean, doing cauliflower. Oh yeah, That's the other one I've been doing is as long as a lot you can make it not. I've been doing that for years. Grades. It's been fun. You get your man. steaks right. I like to, uh, yeah, I like to do a braise with a cauliflower head. I yep. like to get the little guys at the farmers market this time of year. Do a braise on them with like an incredibly flavorful broth, and then grill it. Yeah, because then it's got all. It just soaks up all the fucking. Yeah, flavor. I found. Uh, I found another good way is to kind of like you. You cut it in half or like in sure. quarters, oh, yeah. and then microwave it. Yep. So give it like a give it a couple minute head start. Yeah, be careful you know? not to go too far. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, also, you know, you don't want it. You, you want it crisp still, and just like to anyone, in like anyone at home, it yeah, yeah, giving it a giving it a little head start. You know that your house is going to smell like farts if you do that. Just, if you go too you far, to yeah, be, it smells yeah. like someone farted in your microwave. Uh, but I mean, question back to you, Charles. Yeah. So I've mentioned on the the pod before that I've had this hesitance to cook Lebanese food because I've left it to the professionals. And it, meaning like my mom. mom or like my aunt in Lebanon or, or local restaurants or like the fucking, you know, like the church carnival festival things that I've gone to throughout my life. Um, but what I, um, and it's funny we're talking about Lubia because one of the only times I dared to make Lebanese food for my mom and my brothers, which is my immediate family, when I was probably like 25, I made Lubia and I thought, like, I was going to chef it and not cook down the green beans all the way. I wanted them to be, like, if I was yep. making Szechuan green beans, where I got the color, but I also still had the bite. And they were like, fuck you. They were basically Same. like, this is garbage. And I just sat there and ate it. And I was like, in my head, I was like, it's really good, but I think it's not lubia. You know what I mean? Like, I just, there was that disconnect. And that I've was used the same thing that I was just talking about. Caramelized. Yeah, like, dude, where, right. what's up? Like, my brain was like, no, 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 we have, to, we have to pull how these. Have to cook them. Like, yeah. my mom will make it in her instant pot. That's like how much you got to cook wow. it. Should be like, I want to make fast forward lubias. You make it in the instant pot because you want to like really cook them down. And something a lot of people like for me cooking the way that I learned to cook because I learned to cook things, everything but Lebanese food because I didn't like my mo- the way my mom cooked foods that weren't Lebanese. Then I tried to apply those techniques to Correct. like traditional Lebanese dishes, which is a big no-no, which is also why you don't put lamb chops on top of lubia. 
But the only way I've really utilized those flavors is I've taken the, the, the flavor components, the ingredients, things like za'atar and sumac and stuff, and I've put them in more contemporary dishes so that I could cook what I want to cook. But I still had this fear of, it's not fear, hesitance. I just, I, it was like this, this like very low hurdle that I just did not want to step over knowing I could do it. But one of the reasons I want to ask this question, and it's like serendipitous timing, I had friends over on Saturday night. We had the projector in my yard, and we watched UFC, and I was going to grill for everybody, and I had it in my head, I want to make kofta because I have, like, giant skewers. Probably a lot of people know what kofta is. It's like a ground beef thing with, like, lots of parsley and onion in it and stuff. But I was like, I want to do it my way, but I don't want to go off the record. I want to do a traditional food. So I Googled, because not every Lebanese dish can also be made spicy. Hara is like the term for if something's spicy. I was like, I'm going to look up kafta hara. And I looked it up and it's been done. It's like a thing in, on like restaurant menus. So I'm like, oh, so sometimes people do make it spicy. So I made lamb kafta hara, like giant skewers. Uh, if you follow me on Instagram, you probably, you can, you can find it on there. But, uh, and I used... Ground lamb, five pounds of ground lamb. Uh, I pureed two medium onions, drained off the excess, excess water, whole bunch of parsley, four tablespoons of baharit, yeah. which is Lebanese seven spice, an extra teaspoon of cumin, uh, salt and pepper to taste, and a whole half pint container of harissa. Because you can't get Lebanese hara here, which oh, is like... that sounds so fucking good. Hara is like a pepper paste. Mm-hmm. And so it's like in between... Um, like a Chinese pepper paste and like a harissa in texture. It's like right in the middle. But I was like, I'm going to do harissa because the flavor's similar. It doesn't matter that it's smooth because I'm going to pulse it anyways. So then I made like this thick, saucy, um, spicy mixture of the onion and the parsley yep. and the spices. I just want to eat that with the spoon. And then I, Straight up. I dumped it into the meat and I mixed it all by hand and I formed it on those giant skewers that you see on the... Instagram videos of dudes in the UAE that are like super famous, just right? And I grilled onions and fresh tomatoes because we have those right now. I grilled off pita bread. I bought Tomb. I didn't make it. I bought a container. There's a company called Tomb, T-O-O-M. It makes really good Tomb. And um, did some swipes on the grilled pita bread, the grilled vegetables. I did mint leaves and then big hunking chunks of that charred, Perfectly cooked. Uh, Fuck yeah. Uh, Kaftahara. Oh my God, I want it right now. And then, uh, put, oh, and then a squeeze of grilled lemon. Squeeze of grilled lemon. And like, we fucking wrecked it. And everybody was like, oh man, this is dope. And I, but I was like worried because I served everybody. And in my head, I was like, it's got to taste like kafta. Because I'm always worried like, if I cook Lebanese food, it's not going to, because it's like, it's all by feel, you know? But I, the, the first bite I took, I was like, that's Nailed. kafta. Also, like, that's, that's side note, there. grill your fucking lemons, guys. If you're not grilling lemons, oh, hell yeah. roast holy them. shit. But like this time of year, grill them. But grill like them. in the winter, roast them. Throw roast them in there with the them. chicken. Let them get all caramely and shit. It tastes incredible. Oh, but I'll just say I felt very accomplished that the kafta tasted like kafta. Yeah. You know, because there's like a part of me that's like, it's not going to taste exactly the same. And I think it's a wall that was built up by my failed attempt to make nubia. And I want to keep pushing past it. I want to cook more Lebanese food. So I'm like calling myself out too by this broadcast as well as, you know, the experience of having prepared that dish. Like I want to do more of that. You should go to Detroit, man. 
I know, honestly, I, so I posted on a Lebanese food forum, my dish, but it was really just like a front for a question I was asking about where to buy good Lebanese flatbread. Cause you can get pita Detroit, here, dude. but I want real flatbread. And uh, most people are like order from Dearborn order yeah. from Michigan. They'll ship it to you. It's kind of expensive. And I'm there's, like, there's I don't a place care. actually that's not miss too the bad. bread. It's called Hashem's mm. Hashem's. You can order they, they're, their online's more expensive than if you go in store, but like you can get really nice. Right, but stuff. to ship it, because like when we go to Lebanon, we fill, you know, my mom will fill up an entire suitcase with 50 pounds of flatbread and throw it in the freezer when we get back. Because it's like the big loaves, you yeah. know, and it's like the flat, flat bread. Yeah. The unleavened stuff, not the pita. Pita's good, but like I miss just like huffing a fresh loaf of flatbread in Lebanon. Just the smell of it. It's just, it's entirely my mom, different. My mom makes the flat, flat bread. She doesn't do it in, uh, she doesn't do it over the fire, but she does it over the stove and she does have one of the like, sure. I don't know what those pans are called, but the, the you know, the yeah, yeah. upside down walk. The sauce, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my first job, I mean, technically, illegally, was uh, baking bread with my mom in the basement. She used to bake loaves of uh, flatbread for parishioners in the church. That was like, her hustle and I would wear gardening gloves and she'd form the loaves and I would bake them in the big cast iron gas oven in our childhood home. That was like, I would do that in the summer with my mom in the basement, like 6am to noon. And I would have to like, the faster I went, the quicker I could get outside to party with my friends. But, uh, so that was like my first job was as a baker wild making that bread. So like, technically I've, I feel like I should make that it. bread. Well, I got, I got the dome. You can make that bread in my dome. Like, I would love to do it. Part of the reason I got it is so I could bake Lebanese yeah. uh, Maybe pastries we're doing with my just mom. Like, do it and then freeze it like she's doing. You know, like, yeah. like suck it up and just If you take, felt like, good, a, like, you yeah. did it really well. Do, like, a bunch. Layer and then it up. Freeze oh, it. man, if I could nail that, I'd be, like, I'd, I'd be, like, Saturday Dumpling Club this shit. Pull up. I got flatbread, baby. Oh, dude, I remember as a kid. I would just do it because I'd be proud. I wouldn't do it for the money. I'd be like, oh, shit, I can. But also, I, I remember as a kid, it. dude. Like, when I, I was a little it. kid, like, my great aunt used to have, like, Lubna, like, up on, like, just, like, on the radiator, dude. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I, I remember it being good. I mean, we ate it. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I obviously, we haven't been doing it that way since. But, right. Yeah, no, but I remember that as a little kid. Like, that was, it was like, huh get the yogurt off of the free uh, for the <laughs> for the radiator you know it was just like okay it was just like what you did so i don't know this but. this uh this week i was really uh, incredibly fortunate enough uh my uncle passed away four years ago and uh his widow my aunt uh sent us all for his 75th birthday uh a collection of my grandmother's writings uh from her whole life and uh it's like Legit, like 250 pages. And nice. she was a reporter for a number of different papers, so it's all of her articles. It's poems that she wrote. I never knew she wrote poetry. Uh, it's letters that she sent to everybody. Like, he talked to the whole family and anybody that kept letters. They all sent it in. And it was a very emotional gift to get, and it's something that I'm going to continue to pour over. Uh, but the first night when I was going through everything and reading through it, the thing that bummed me out was I, I haven't even found anything about food. And mm. I remember her being in the kitchen more than any other room in the house. And I think it's almost like doubling down on my huh. lack of connection to the food from my, like, my ancestors. Was that, like, that just, like, 
I helped her in the kitchen. Well, I, do you feel like it's just some? They feel like it's something they do, not something they talk about. Maybe you know, like it's just like a household chore. I just really for for that would have been that air. I mean, it's amazing that she had a job, right? Yeah, so, I, my grandma didn't. I, like my grandpa still believes that like you can just get hard in America by working hard, and your wife doesn't have to work, and you have five kids, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, she, like, there surprisingly there are. I mean, not surprisingly, I should say, there are dozens of letters where she talks about that basically she never gets hired as a full-time reporter. She's always just paid per story because Mm -hmm. they didn't want a female reporter. Uh, But through all of those, like, it really was amazing that between the personal letters and her just writing for herself, like, a lot of that stuff was stuff that my uncle found going through her stuff when she was in the nursing home. Uh, but from all of that, that there just wasn't there, the attachment to food. It almost seems like, like I know she took pride in food. I know how sure. much, like my grandmother was the one who like, Oh, if you're going to have a little bit more of that, then you have to have some of this and you have to have some of that. And all of a sudden Something she's built you on. a plate bigger than the original plate that you had for round one. But it, it was, it was striking. Like thinking about, all of the things that you guys have talked about and the things that you've watched, you know, your, your mother's cook and whatnot. It, it is striking how different like that upbringing is for me and not for a lack of, of connection to the culture. Everything else to me, I guess is, is there, but that's, it's one, it's just kind of, it's, I find more attachment talking to you guys about this. And when I make shawarma or when I like the amount of, time that I've put in on perfecting this gyro recipe. Yeah. Because the first time I had a gyro, it changed my life and I'm still chasing that high. And that's what's dope about Mediterranean food is it's simple, but when it's right, it's like it's so satisfying. Dude. Amazing. I was on a beach in Jordan and we I met this like old guy and it was kind of weird actually cuz like I mean this is where like the whole like the culture like kind of like came through, but we were on the beach in uh, Aqaba and um, he, we, he had actually, he, he like wanted to treat and like he, we got lamb and we grilled it out on this little fire and we're like on the beach and his wife was like basically cooking for us and then like serving us. And then we, we were done, she ate. And it was kind of like this like weird thing, but it was like the best meal ever. And it was just so simple, bread. just lamb, grilled lamb, fresh bread. And I think we had some just like unseasoned cucumbers and tomatoes. That's all it was. But like, but like life changing, life changing. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I love all of this. This has been fantastic. Uh, yeah, I know we should probably wrap it up. I know, yeah. this, is, but this is a long episode for you guys, isn't it? It's standard protocol, but yeah, I think standard we're protocol. reaching our we're reaching our <laughs> natural conclusion. Yeah, this is like a it's a it's a nice this is a nice medium length mm-hmm. episode for our listeners. Yeah. Uh, I want to bring it back to Who's Thursday. We could you know after Thursday after now Friday. having gotten to know you uh, through their headphones and speakers, uh, can you go back again and let everybody know like how to like know what's up with craft notes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So craft notes, where I they mean, can find you. Yeah. yeah, it's great. Uh, website is craftnotes.net. Um, fuck.com. Yeah. The, if, <laughs> if, if someone knows how to get the dot com for cheaper, let me know. Um, but, uh, otherwise like we do some stuff on, like we're not big on socials. If anyone wants to help out, let me know. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and then our mobile app is big. Um, and actually we just started a new program, called craft notes plants trees but we're partnering with like all our partners that actually like 
have been a little bit more sustainability and environmentally focused. And so the whole concept is, is each month we have a featured venue. Um, if you go to that venue, anyone who's got the app can go. The app is free for discovery. Uh, we have like a paid feature where you get basically if you, you know, if you use it twice a month, it more than pays for itself. But basically when you support a local business, they'll buy you a drink. So you go there, buy a drink, they'll buy you one in, in, in return. And, um, you know, but for free for everyone, there is a featured one. And if you go to that featured venue for the month, then they will buy you a drink and we will buy a tree in your name. That's so that's uh, awesome. Hopefully that's, we'll that's plant bad. a lot of trees, you know, so it's called plant, craft those plant trees. And then if you uh, share it on socials, everyone gets that. And then if you share, and optionally, if you share on socials, you, we, we uh, put together like a hundred dollar prize that you can also win. Is there any featured social that you want them to focus on or just anything? Uh, I mean, we do Instagram. I think uh, we, we've got a new girl that's going to be helping us out. So she might be focusing on TikTok a little bit. Um, but we'll see. I haven't seen her dance yet. <laughs> so Do the free tree dance. Yeah, it wasn't. I should have made it part of the interview, but it wasn't. Uh, but she, she's great. She's really nice. And um, so hopefully we'll be having more stuff on socials. Oh, the TikTok dances. The TikTok dance. Well, Charles, do you have a TikTok dance that you want to promote? No, I'm going to do this TikTok <laughs> dance, though, Quam. Cheers to your Uncle Tom. Yeah. Cheers, Uncle Tom. Is, and uh, thank guy. everyone for listening all the way through to this point in the podcast, as I usually do. We love you all. Yeah. And, um, you know, can't, can't wait to, to get into your ear holes again. <laughs> <laughs> We're sneaky like that. <laughs> uh, if, uh, honestly, just... As a, a random throw out there, if any of the the Mediterranean or Lebanese food that we just talked about sounds interesting to you, find it in your local community. Uh, if you can't find it, a lot of the stuff that yeah. we talked about, you can look up recipes for that. If you're in Minneapolis, Emily's. If Emily's you're in, uh, would you would agree with that, right? Yeah, Beirut, yeah. Beirut restaurant in in St. Paul. We have some. We have great uh, Middle Eastern Mediterranean restaurants of all types. Absolutely, too. not just Lebanese food. And, and if a you're lot in the Milwaukee of it is, area, Damascus Gate. If you're in Chicago, the entire North Side. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, There's a but. place a block from my house called Olive and Lamb. Yeah, it's like peripherally Mediterranean Arab, but like unbelievable food is so good, and you get a lot of it for not a lot of money. Yeah, which like they should charge more if you're listening. What's it called? Olive, Olive and, and Lamb. Lamb. Olive Great and Lamb. Fantastic. But yeah, oh, so that's right. Up, by Stanley. Yeah, people get so excited. Yeah. yeah, people get so excited to tell me that they had Lebanese food for the first time. And, like, someone that, that I know that's 44 years old will be like, dude, I had Lebanese food. I'm like, where have you been for 44 years? But it still, it still <laughs> yeah. makes me excited. But, yeah, man, it's fucking great. Find a good Lebanese or, like, uh, Afghani or Greek or, like, those. they're all close to one another. Moroccan. Fucking get after it. Do it. Oh, dude, my, my brother, when he visited, he made me uh, basically kibbe and a pita. Look it up. There's a recipe for it. It's it's amazing. Like baked it in the pita? Like fried it in the, yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's like the grilled bread thing. I always forget the name, but uh, Semi makes a really great one. I want to do that before the summer's over where you like take, you put the meat, like raw meat on the, it might be a similar thing. You put raw meat on the pita and you grill it on the grill. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, yes, I'm sure please. it's very similar. It sounds, it sounds like it might similar. be Let's the same dish fucking or, do under that. another name. But I was thinking of doing that last weekend when I decided to make the kafta, but well, well, he was. I'll bring it up after I do it. So he told it. me all about his favorite restaurant that was in Dearborn, and mm. uh, and so I sent my brother there because I haven't been to Detroit in a, in a minute. But um, yeah, my brother said it was ridiculous. Although Same said that it was the uh, 
goat head that was the real killer. And um, my brother, I don't think he had that. You know, but he said it was still a very good restaurant, even though the goat head was the, was the feature. Okay. <laughs> well, go to Detroit and eat Lebanese food. Yeah, but Detroit, yeah. dude, good ass they, seriously, they seriously have, like, the dessert places where, like, I mean, it's Knafe? as big. They got that It's Knafe? as big as the Surly oh. Beer Hall. Oh. Only oh. instead of having ah. bar, it's literally a bar of three levels of all kinds of different, like, Arabic pastries and Turkish delight and, like... Flights to... Everything that you can possibly Detroit. imagine. Like, Dear stuff wife, I've never seen before. We're booking know? tickets to Damn. the Trois. Yeah. And right, Hashem's so. online. Hashem's. Ah, yes, I've heard of that. We love you. Thank yep. you so much. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Peace. <laughs>